Cinemodities, or as we've come to call these special episodes, Song Screedomodities. And you know that it's one of those because of the title of the episode. We already spoiled it. And back with us once again is Ben. Ben, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Rob. Yeah, I'm just glad you could have, make time for me in this busy quarantine world we're in. <laughs> I, I know that you have people filing through your house, you know, guest speakers all the time now because they, uh, you don't care about social distancing, and I'm just glad you put me in the list. I uh, purposely moved into a smaller apartment so people would be closer to each other as they all get here. <laughs> that's, that's good. Do you, how many people have you had in there at once? I don't know, maybe like 50% above the maximum capacity. Like the okay. fire marshal's going to shut us down for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're uh, keeping it topical right off the bat. <laughs> do you do you know the fire marshal by name yet? Um you got to send him some cookies or something. <laughs> Tell him he has to come over here to uh, get the cookies. Like I like what? I force him into shutting us down. <laughs> I mean, you could definitely make him leave us the comfort of his house. I don't know if fire marshals are essential or not. <laughs> true, true. Liquor stores and uh, cannabis dispensaries certainly are essential. I think a, I think abortions have been deemed essential in some states too. Oh man, oh oh boy, essential. And of course, speaking of what's essential, everybody knows that the Cinemodities restaurant is essential. And even if it wasn't, we would stay open because anybody who comes in to try to shut us down will get lost in the infinite void and not be able to find their way back out. So it's a win-win. But that takes me to exactly what I have to say every time Zach's not here because he's hard at work at the restaurant. And it is directly involving this essential services. So it turns out, uh, not turns out, it's known, I don't know if Ben knows it, that we don't do a lot of cleaning in the restaurant. Like, we, whenever we have to do dishes, whenever we have to, like, wash anything, you know, utensils, uh, plates, tablecloths, maybe seats, chairs, we actually outsource it to a car wash that is near the restaurant. And we just do it all in bulk. And the car wash is now closed because oh, of, no. the, of the quarantine. And so Zach is down there trying to figure out what we're going to do, if anything, to clean our restaurant and the items from the restaurant. And uh, we're, we're seeing how it's working out. You know, I think uh, we'll get some, some things going forward. But, you know, cleanliness is, uh, I think the best way to put it is people have never really complained about the cleanliness on Yelp. So we can kind of see how bad it can get. Once it creeps into the Yelp, then we know we have to do something to cover it up at least. <laughs> Rob, that, that sounds like an essential disaster. So, uh... <laughs> It's um, it's great though. We're still we're still hemorrhaging money like we always have. So so it's all good. <laughs> That's great. Are you still get customers in there? Uh, you, are you filling every other table? What are you doing? We we do. We are still getting some customers because you know they there's a lot of people that seem to not care about the quarantine. So that's always good for business. And then there are we do have a good base or bank of people that can't get out of the restaurant, like they can't find their way out, so they have to keep ordering food to survive. So it's kind of like, it's almost self-sustaining. I suspect that those people don't have jobs anymore, but at least they got a stimulus check. So are you <laughs> draining yeah. their bank accounts? Yes, exactly. That's All right. A, yes, we, we've collected a lot of stimulus checks. and Oh, that's a good idea, Ben, thinking of that. Maybe we could do that. I remember like Olive Garden did something where 
you could buy like a monthly pass and it would give you like a certain number of meals a month at Olive Garden. I don't know if they still do this, but we should start doing that where if they hand over the stimulus check, you know, they'll they'll get like a week worth of food or something like that. <laughs> a week. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe $1. 5 business days of food. <laughs> All right. Yes, you're learning slowly but surely how we run this restaurant, and it is glorious. So with that being said, um, I think the the quarantine will come up again in this conversation, but I figured I will throw it over to Ben, since it was his choice this week, this time, we're in a time vortex, to decide what we are going to be discussing. And I know he threw me a lot of ideas, and then one day it was just kind of like, Bam! I got it, and he and he told me he knew what it was, and he, he sent it to me, and now we're off to the races. So Ben, would you like to introduce what we are discussing this time on Song Screed Commodities? Yeah, so we are actually going to be talking about a a band I've come to love over the past two or three years called Foxy Shaz- Foxy Shazam. They are from Cincinnati, I believe. Yep, uh, which is purely coincidental. I had no idea they were from Ohio when I started listening to them, but they have an album. They have multiple albums. One of their albums is self-titled and it's also not their first album, Mm -hmm. which struck me as a little weird, but that's the album we're going to be talking about today. Foxy Shazam by Foxy Shazam. (laughs) So do we know that it is Shazam or is it Foxy Shazam? Um, I think that, if anything, the mispronunciation is in the first word, Ooh. and that might be like folksy, folksy shazam, <laughs> folksy sha- folksy shazam, definitely folksy shazam. Yes, the other the other thing that made me think of that is, um, I wonder how many times we are going to get a cease and desist letter from DC for saying Shazam. Pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure they own that ever since the movie. Well, since the comic, and now the movie came out. <laughs> right, isn't. His name is Captain Marvel, right? The guy who says Shazam? Oh, yes, yes. So the original name of Shazam was Captain Marvel back in the day. and which, then Which is a DC character named Captain Marvel. Yep, yep. I don't know the whole story behind it. Like, if it was something to to get at Marvel, like DC wanted to name a, char- a character after Marvel. I'm not sure if that's the case. But, um... Yeah, yeah, that's that's uh that's the thing. Whenever I watch like the old school Justice League Unlimited and like Shazam is in it, they'll call him Captain Marvel and people will be like, "What? Like why are they calling him Captain Marvel?" It's like that's not that woman. And it's like, eh, "Yeah, well, you know, the comic books are weird and names are strange apparently." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was Captain Marvel and then and then Captain Marvel. I didn't even know about Captain Marvel the lady mm-hmm. from Marvel when I knew about Shazam Captain Marvel. That's hard to oh, talk about. Oh, okay. So, yeah, either we're going to get a bunch of cease and desist letters, and maybe if we say Shazam enough times, one of us will get struck by lightning. So so mm-hmm. if, you, if you hear mm-hmm. the word Shazam and the episode just ends, it's because our computer blew up, probably. <laughs> Do we need to be looking into a mirror when we say it? Do we have to say it a certain number of times in a certain cadence? <laughs> it's like Beetlejuice. Uh, I, was, I was thinking Bloody Mary or, or whatever. Okay. okay. Um, or is it Candyman? Fuck, I don't know. I think there's a bunch of them where yeah, like, you're not yeah. supposed to look in a mirror ever uh, and say things. There's even um, especially there's in the, the South Park episode where if you say Biggie Smalls into a mirror three times, he'll appear. Oh. <laughs> yep, yep. I think Biggie Smalls is dead. Yep, I would imagine uh, Bloody Mary is as well. 
significantly more dead than Tupac. And so is so is Beetlejuice. He's a dead guy. <laughs> yes, he is. So by Ma- by logic, summoning by by all this reasoning, Shazam is also dead. <laughs> Definitely. Anybody involving you have to say their name to summon them is dead. That's what we've just deduced. Yeah. Well, especially if there's a mirror involved. Um, <laughs> so I, I know that this is not a comic book podcast, and we're not talking about comic books today. But did you know that the lightning that turns Shazam into Shazam is actually dangerous to Superman? Oh yeah, I've I I think uh, I've seen. I think it's an episode of Justice League Unlimited where they're fighting Shazam and Superman. And he holds Superman above his head, and he keeps screaming Shazam, yeah. and, it, and it's hurting him. And I, I'm pretty sure it's because Superman is not immune to magic. That's so, correct. like, so like Wonder Woman's magic, magical stuff can hurt him, like her tiara and things like that. Um, but I always love that imagery, like Shazam's, like I'm gonna hold something above my head and like cast lightning down on it. That's so cool. It it always. Um... Reminded me of, of the original Smash Bros. game on N64 with Pikachu. Like, he could, you could summon lightning down. Yes. <laughs> That's, so I was, I was like, Shazam and Pikachu are basically the same thing. And, um, I agree that this is not a comic book podcast, but now we're going to do a hard turn. This is now a lightning podcast. <laughs> we are going to discuss lightning for the next 90 minutes. <laughs> um, so, so it is. It is a movie podcast, though, and Shazam is a movie. So I guess we yes. can. That's a nice little. Segment. Have you guys discussed Shazam? On nope. And I don't believe either of us have seen it. Did you see it? I did. Oh, okay. I liked it more than I thought I was going to like it. Like, mm-hmm. l- let me put it this way: the commercials made me think this movie's going to be fucking retarded. Okay. And then I and then I watched it. And I was just like entertained the whole time. Oh, right on. So like it was it was a a decent movie, and despite the fact that the commercials made it look like garbage. Okay. Uh, and it okay. was it was almost two different movies in one because there was like a very you sometimes followed the bad guy and sometimes followed the good guy. And so there was a very big tonal shift between those two sections of the movie. Okay, gotcha. And Interesting. So it, was, it was neat. Uh but yeah, all right. So on on to the music. Which Foxy is actually the Shazam <laughs> for Shazam. Foxy, Foxy, Foxy Shazam, Shazam by Foxy Shazam is, is the, the soundtrack, soundtrack for Shazam. Right. <laughs> I stand by it. That's all of these songs were written for Shazam. <laughs> yes, when they they had they had uh, the tw- when it came out in 2010 when they were working on this they were just like this this is it this is whenever they make that movie this yep. is this is what it's for. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, Roz, do, do you want to get into the background of this album and tell us why there are two different versions of it oh, and yeah. one of them appears to disagree with me? <laughs> so. Um, just like Ben said previously, this is not Foxy Shazam's first album. Um, what it is, though, is is Foxy Shazam's first major studio album. So they self-released their first one um, in 2005. It's called The Flamingo Trigger. And then they got signed by a, a more independent label called Ferret Music. And that's where they released their second album in 2008, Introducing Foxy Shazam. And then they got more and more traction, and they were eventually signed to the major label Sire, Sire Records. And Foxy Shazam was their self-titled debut on that label. And I think this was really when they blew up, because this was the first album of theirs to, to peak on any chart anywhere. And um, I, this is when I started to hear about them as well. And I think that's kind of what you were saying, where you, you, you're kind of surprised that this is their first album, but... 
had you heard of them before this? Or no, you said two or three years you've been coming to love them, right? Uh, yeah, so I, I've been listening to Foxy Shazam for a while. Uh, my girlfriend actually saw them open for Panic at the Disco, I think. Ooh, wow. <laughs> in in, uh, in Columbus. I think it was Panic, she said. Um, and she was just like, this is just a random opening band to her. And then she, she liked them enough to look into them later. And she I think she had the Church of Rock and Roll album. Okay. Um, and then for her birthday one year, I was just like, I'm going to get her a different Foxy Shazam album because she likes to listen to CDs in her car. She still has a CD player because she's crazy. Oh, me too. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, fuck it. I'm going to get this other album. And then I listened to it. Or no, that's actually – so she told me about the band. Then I listened to it. And then I was like, she needs to have this album because it's good. That's what Ah, happened. gotcha. Um, and I, I just really enjoyed it. It's a fun sound. It got me through – some some parts of grad school that sucked sure uh, um but yeah so this was it was the, the first album i knew of by mm-hmm. them really um and i just kind of have come to expect that the the self-titled album is the first album for a lot of bands but maybe that's not even true maybe it's just the first famous album <laughs> <laughs> like my whole world is getting turned upside down right now just don't say anything to up in my worldview all right I got kids. Yeah, I've definitely seen it both ways where, you know, the self-titled is the first. I've seen that a lot. But then I've also seen, you know, like with Foxy Shazam, uh, St. Vincent, I think it's the fifth album is the self-titled one. So it took like a long time to get there for her. But um, yeah, I think it just kind of goes both ways. And um, I I guess on that topic, I've never been... I've never been a big fan of the self-titled, you know, of of naming an album after your band. I've always kind of thought, you know... If you have you have two different names, why like like play around with them? You know why make them overlap? You know it it seems like it's almost the easy choice. Sure, uh, and I, I I definitely have to agree with you. I mean, from just from the standpoint of trying to Google this album, <laughs> um, yeah. like how do you say like Foxy Shazam album, and then it's like here's all the albums by Foxy Shazam, and you're like. No, the one called Foxy Shazam. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Um, like we said before we recorded, you know, that, that's the best thing to Google, the same thing twice. Foxy Shazam, Foxy Shazam, which I'm imagining in Google would be equivalent if you if you typed Foxy, Foxy, Shazam, Shazam. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it might be. Uh, and I, I also agree with you that it is kind of the lazy choice. And I think that because of what this is the soundtrack for, there was an obvious choice. Uh, for the title of the album, and, and it's Billy Batson. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or Captain so, Marvel. <laughs> or Captain Marvel, yeah. So Foxy Suzanne, Captain Marvel would have been a much better album title. I think Don't also, get me wrong, it, I think Foxy Suzanne should be in the album title. It should be ah, gotcha. Foxy Suzanne and, and Billy Batson by Foxy Suzanne. And mm-hmm. I I think also that this, this being the self-titled, it's just, when I look at their discography, it's even more confusing, because yes, it was a different... It was a different label, their first three albums, all their albums pretty much. And, you know, there is some studio input, like in the produ- producers get some input into, you know, what they think for marketing and X, X, Y, and Z. But their previous album was introducing Foxy Shazam. So it's like, it's like they just couldn't. But the first album was the Flamingo Trigger, which is an intriguing name. And so it's like they have two, then two back-to-back albums that have Foxy Shazam in the title, and they're both almost saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I think uh, when they released the Flamingo Trigger, were they still going by Train of Thought? Was that still their oh, band name? Oh, that's, that's right. They, that could be. 
Yeah, I'm not sure. At least, well, on their Wikipedia, at least, it says 2004 they decided to change the band name. And in 2005, the official release was Flamingo Trigger. So they had an unofficial debut independent album called The Flamingo Trigger. So it was the same title for the album. Yeah. But they changed the name before it was officially released. Yep. Yeah, I I would be interested to see, you know, one, you know, what the... uh, It's always interesting, when I think, when bands change their name. You know, like one one uh, an episode of Song Scree that's never been released yet. Uh, we know Billy Talent did that. They were Pez before they were Billy Talent. Like and uh, the candy? I, uh, yeah, I and I think Ben and I agree completely that Billy Talent is a much better name for that band. <laughs> I don't know, man. Pez is pretty good. You just dispense them whenever you want. <laughs> that's how that's how I need Billy Talent in my life. Is it's, it's, whenever you want. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, so I was well, interesting. It was interesting to me on the subject of the name, you know, Foxy Shazam, because it, it rolls off the tongue. I do like that name, um, and good. you know, it has an X in it and a Z in it. Can't go wrong there. The only thing they're missing is a Q, you know, to really throw things up. But uh, I found it, a little tidbit on their Wikipedia, and I looked into it even further to, you know, see if it was actually the case. Um, Apparently, the band claimed that back when they were in high school, or when the lead singer was in high school, they, the slang of Foxy Shazam meant cool shoes. Like, you would say to somebody, like, yo, that's that's a pair of Foxy Shazams, you know? And... Apparently, that was the origin. That's where they got that phrase from. But it turns out that a few years later, when they were doing an interview, the lead singer admitted, I I couldn't find if it was like poked and prodded at or he just freely gave this information up, but he said that that was a complete lie. And nobody ever used Foxy Shazams to mean cool shoes. And And he was basically like, well, the story's interesting, so we stuck with it. (laughs) <laughs> and and the rest of the band was like, yeah, we knew about this, but uh, we didn't care. We had our name, and it was a story. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it was so, that just seems so strange. I uh, well, to think that anybody would ever because like Foxy is is like an adjective that means what like generally like kind of attractive. Yeah, yeah, Foxy lady. Appealing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, to think that anybody would refer to shoes as Shazams mm-hmm. is is because uh, like that's what's left, right? Yeah. Um, that's a pair of Foxy Shazams. Yeah, so maybe so. we should we should start that. Let's do it. We should actually get two of their albums and hold them side by side and be like, that's a pair of Foxy Shazams right there. <laughs> that's the meme. We got the meme for actually, this episode. <laughs> hold on. Actually, no, this is Foxy Shazam by Foxy Shazam. This one album is a pair of Foxy Shazams. <laughs> it's a pair of Foxy Shazams. That's right. Maybe that's uh, that was where they were coming from. <laughs> All right. Maybe that's why they decided to make this self-titled. Is around that time in history, they were like, "We need, we need an album that is a pair." <laughs> yeah. So, so um, yes, in 2010, this this album came out. Our, our pair of Foxy Shazams, and this, as we said, was their first major label release from Sire Records. I think it was maybe three, four months before the actual the album came out officially. This band was well known enough, or had, had get, gotten the traction at least from you know some fan base, that a early working version of the album was leaked, and that was leaked as au contraire, and that is a very similar. You can definitely tell that it's kind of the the same idea, the same concept of the album, but it is a different track listing, um, different order. Uh, I think it has two more tracks than the 
one that we got officially. And that was the one that I was more familiar with because I remember when they were getting big and I was looking around and on my usual forums, people were like, you know, oh, anytime anything leaks months early, it's always a huge deal because it's like not only do you get this music early, the point of a leak, but it's also if it's that early, chances are it's going to be different from what you get when it comes out. And so it's kind of like you'll get two versions. And that's exactly what this is. It's two different versions of of two uh, of well, now it's a a quartet of Foxy Shazams. Oh, no, a, a triplet, because this one's au contraire, so a, 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 tr- a trilogy of Foxy Shazams. <laughs> but so when Ben pitched this uh, album to me, I was like, oh, that's a great choice, because I know that whole story of the two different versions and things like that. And we'll get into more of, you know, what I think about the album when we go through it, but I was like, do you have, you know, any way to listen to the au contraire? And you were just like, no, I don't know if you had known about this, but I was like, okay, I'll send it your way. And um, and some bonus tracks that also come from the official album. Um, but I think you said, Ben, that you did not care for the Au Contraire. Or what? What? How would you say it? Uh, okay. So, for, as far as the bonus tracks are, are considered concerned, the bonus tracks deviate quite a bit stylistically from the final release version. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I I think it was something like. Um, so what exists on Spotify today is the the first eleven tracks for the the original official release, and then the last two, Teenage Demon Baby and Some Kind of Love, that was on the iTunes Deluxe Edition. But now we've fi- thankfully gotten away from you know a lot of stupid bonus track bullshit, which we could do a whole another episode about how I hate bonus tracks and the different ways they reveal themselves. But there those thirteen are all on iTunes. When the album came out, I think there was some other like promotional stuff like through through their website, through the record label's website, through um, some other places that they hosted their music, where they would release, like, uh, maybe a song here or there. And that's why they're they're stylistically different, because I think they were just the leftovers, and they, they wanted to do something with them. But I definitely agree. You know, like, uh, You and Me is the song with bagpipes. Uh, yeah. Dog in Love with Kitty is just a very strange, like, you know, f- fantasy tale, almost, it seems. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so I, I didn't, I didn't delve too deep into the lyrics of those songs, but just from the way they sounded, they they differed so strongly from the rest of the album that I just felt like they didn't fit. Um, and and that is probably in part because I listened mostly to the to the studio release one, uh, because Au Contraire kind of as a whole has a has a softer sound to it. Yes, I'm... yeah, and and I think that that's something about this album as a whole that. You know, it's definitely noticeable in the sense that every song of it, they all start different. And, you know, I, I, I'm definitely not saying this is an album where, you know, all the songs sound the same, but every song always reaches a point where it's just like, you know, him singing operatically and every instrument playing. Like it reaches like a, like a wall of sound or uh, uh, like a big booming part of every single song. And when I listen to the the official release, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm just waiting for it. I'm waiting for it to get there. Like, there's gonna be that like 40, 30, 40 seconds where you know he's singing the choruses louder than before, and you have every instrument playing something, and it's just like it always gets to that. And and that's, does this qualify as a crescendo? Uh, yeah, I would say to some extent because I think it's it's most. Um, when I was listening to the the official release, which I hadn't listened to, I think ever, I was always on Au Contraire. I was, like, listening to it and preparing for this recording, and the first few times, I'm just like, man, 
I really want just something to slow down, you know? Like, I, I want, I want a, like, a reprieve from this. And then you get to song 11, Evil Thoughts, where it starts with just a piano and him singing, and I'm like, okay, here we go. This is gonna be like the, this is gonna be like the reined in, pulled back song, and it's gonna be like a palate cleanser. gets to the same part like all the other songs do and i'm like oh geez it's definitely all fast-paced yes and then when i listen to au contraire because that's what i was used to it is it doesn't it still has those moments but it never gets as kind of in your face as the official release does and i personally think that's why i like the official release so much is because it is in your face from the moment you hit play until the moment it stops it is just like bam right there um and you know it's it starts off with with the intro, uh, dog. You got dogs barking at you. Yep, yep. <laughs> and then you get music, and it's just from that point forward, it's music. Um, but like, I don't know, intense music. Oh yeah, I, intense is I a really good way that. to put it. And and you know, as I was thinking about that idea that I said, you know, I was waiting for that kind of reined in. No, I wouldn't even say slower. Just something a little more minimalistic. You know, with not every instrument playing at the same time, you know, like if like evil thoughts, I was hoping for it would just be like him and piano because I love that type of stuff. Sure. But once I started to think about that more, sure, of course, that's something that I wanted. That's what I like. You know, I like some uh, more minimalistic stuff in my music. But if they did throw something like that in this album, it it would not fit. It would it would seem strange to the uh, album as a whole. And it would definitely be jarring, I think. And so I think they, they have to make that trade-off where they do give you something like Evil Thoughts, where it is minimalistic, but only for the intro. And so sure. you do get to see, you know, that style, but it always comes back to, you know, their, their right-in-your-face sound. And That's it's, a really good point. Any, yeah. Anything that was, like, if any of the, even the Au Contraire versions got mixed in with my main release versions when I was listening to them, mm-hmm. listening to it, I would have been like... What the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> so, suddenly this is soft, and I don't care for it. Sure, uh, sure. Yeah, so I think, you know, they, they, do, they, they know what they're doing. Um, Foxy Shazam and the, um, the, the producers on this album are famous producers from Sire. It was Rob Cavallo and John Feldman. Um, so, you know, they do other hard-hitting stuff. So, like, um, Rob Cavallo's has won so many awards, or his albums have won awards. But, you know, like, uh, he was the one who produced... Uh, the the really popular My Chemical Romance album uh, Black Parade, and oh, okay. he and he produced also um, I think almost all of the Green Day albums. Um, I know he did uh, Sound of Madness by Shine Down, which I really like. And then and then you know then you also have um, John Feldman is the one who's done. He's worked with uh, the Used for for like a long long time, and they have some heavy stuff. And he's done stuff with like Seosin and Attack Attack and. And some, you know, uh, Panic at Disco, which is, you know, why I'm sure she's, your girlfriend saw them open for Panic at Disco because they had that those connections through labels and stuff like that. So they know what they're doing. They knew when they heard this guy's voice and these musicians that were probably in their earlier years, like loud and fast and 
And I think he even says in one of these songs some line about, like, he, he's, he's a punk rock and roll type of guy or something like that. That they, they knew what they had and they knew how to do it. And it, it just makes sense to make this, you know, fast-paced, energetic, hard-hitting. It always gets to this, you know, beautiful, beautiful cacophony of the drums and the, the horns drowning out the piano, but you know the piano is still playing. <laughs> it's... uh. So I I just picked up some art stuff for people that care about that. I, I do some drawing, and one of the things that, that I'm learning is that, like, there are times where you don't want to draw all the details. You just want to kind of imply them. Yep. And I think that's an appropriate description of what happens here with the piano. Oh, it's, just, yeah. it's just implied. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, that's my – I think when we get into some songs, I'll have some other um, – things to say about this album. Um, but I did want to finish up. So after this one, Foxy Shazam by Foxy Shazam, um, they had two more albums, uh, which I've, I've never heard. I think Church of Rock and Roll was the one you mentioned earlier, and then Gonzo. Um, but in 2014, when they released Gonzo and they toured, uh, they announced that they were taking an indefinite hiatus. So to whether to work on other projects or whether, you know, creative differences, anything like that. Uh, I think it was, um, you know, mutual and civil and all that stuff, but they basically decided to um, go their separate ways. And the one thing I did find is that the keyboardist, uh, Sky White, founded a tea company when he left the band. So if you ever had Wendigo tea, that's uh, Foxy Shazam's keyboardist uh, tea. I've never had it, never heard of it either. <laughs> Wendigo, like the Native American legend Wendigo? Yep, yep the Wendigo, yeah, <laughs> spelled okay. the same way. So... Um, they, they broke up, you know, for all intents and purposes, whatever bands say, indefinite hiatus, of course, you know, there's, there's always some chance they might come back together. And it turns out that they did come back to, or in air quotes, Foxy Shazam did come back together because they made the announcement that they were going to rejoin and play a show on February 7th, 2020. And their first scheduled concert was for April 11th, 2020. Guess that was bad timing. Because that concert has now been delayed to July 18th. <laughs> and well, who knows if it'll get delayed any further. So, so Foxy Shazam fans, the really hardcore people, sorry, you know, bad timing. <laughs> they got quarantined as well. <laughs> um, you can't keep a fox in a cage? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that was just crazy because, like, across the street from me, a restaurant opened up, like, in early March, and oh. I was like, damn, bad timing. <laughs> Ow. Yep, yep. <laughs> They're, fuck. And it, it was good. It was, like a, it was like a Mexican, like, breakfast place, and they had, like, they're going to have tacos and burritos, and I was really excited to try it, and then it was just like, nope, everything gets shut down. <laughs> Shit, that sucks. Um, yeah, so they have un officially, unofficially maybe returned, mm -hmm. and... <laughs> Uh, with the album we're talking about is Foxy Shazam. So I want to talk a little bit about the album art for this. Oh yes. Yes, of course. Uh, we've got three kind of curvy, apparently black women wearing jerseys that say Foxy 23. Yep. yep. Um, I don't know if that's a, the 23 is supposed to be a reference to something. Uh, but then we see, I think that's the lead singer. What's yes. Name? I believe it uh, is Eric Nally. Eric Nally. He's sitting on what appears to be a bowling ball, I guess, or a basketball, probably a basketball since they're wearing yep. basketball jerseys. And his arms are painted red. Mm -hmm. And there's a red handprint on 
on one of the girl's butts. And uh, this, I mean, it's just like caught red-handed and taken to the next level. Yeah, 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 because the, the whole album cover is um, monochromatic, black and white, except for his arms and that handprint, which is yeah. which is a great visual. And But the thing I love as well is that it's, his entire arms are painted red. They could have done it just with the hands painted red, but they made the decision to paint the entire, like, all of that skin red, which is very interesting. I'm not sure. I couldn't find anything about the 23 either. Um, but, you know, uh, maybe that's something relevant so to their history or something. Yeah, something like that could be. Um, and, like, one thing that, that kind of strikes me about the pose the guy's sitting in is, like, he's going to have red paint all over his fucking pants. And that's, <laughs> yes. that's that's just upsetting. Um, that's no good, man. But, what are you doing to your but, pants? <laughs> <laughs> but it does feel like a, like a caught red-handed, you know, um, motif. And I'm not sure that that really vibes necessarily with any of the music in the album. Like, I don't know if there's anything about being caught or, like... Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, didn't... I didn't get that either, and, um, you know, because I, I don't know if I would say that this album has, like, a, a major overarching theme. I think some of the songs are very kind of uh, separate or disjoint in the, in the message of them, but there's nothing really here about, you know, getting caught or, or you know, being naughty or anything like that. <laughs> or smacking asses. Yeah. I'm, I'm nothing. <laughs> I don't um, I think the closest we get to ass smacking is he, there's a song where he's talking to his son. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a, a little bit facetious. I don't think he sexually abused his child. Just throwing that out there. Um, at least not from that song alone. Sure. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so do you want to get into songs? Yeah, I guess so. Uh, do we just going to go straight through? Intro th- bombs away? Yeah, I think that works. Um, oh um, yeah, very, the very interesting. I, I do appreciate that. Uh, these This should be one track. On Au Contraire, it's two separate tracks. Because it's I, intro and then bombs away. And it just makes sense to merge these together, you know? Definitely. Uh, I've only ever known it as one track. I guess I, I I do remember in Au Contraire that it is listed as two things, but I even when listening to it, I think I, I just listened to it as the one yeah, track. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Once you know it, you know, as, as one, you sticks as one. Absolutely. But yeah, as we as we said, you know, this this is energetic and right in your face, and it starts off with dogs barking. And, well, so uh, he says, there sure are a lot of dogs out this evening. Perhaps they can assist me in a song. Yep. There sure are a lot of dogs out this evening. Perhaps they can assist me in a song. I'm reminded of of the song "Who Let the Dogs Out," which is you know. <laughs> who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who. So, but the reason I bring that up is just recently I saw a meme that was just like, "How old were you when you realized the song Who Let the Dogs Out' was about ugly girls at the club?" Oh yeah, yeah. And I was like, "Well, I was today. I was today <laughs> old." Um, because I did not, as a kid, I never realized they were talking about ugly women, if sure. that's indeed what they were talking about. And so I'm kind of reminded of that, either ugly women or sometimes dogs is used to, to refer to men, um, yep. being, you know, uh, I don't, I don't know what, how you would describe a man as a dog. Now, <laughs> oddly, like normally unfaithful, which is really not a dog characteristic. Mm-hmm. If you, if you've ever interacted with dogs, they're pretty loyal. Um, 
if yeah, they like you, if you're worth liking. Yeah, exactly. That's saying, you know, all men are dogs. I think everybody's heard that at least once in their life. And it's just, it's like an, it's, it's an idiom that no one really, you know, I think, uh, they, yeah, it's just, it's just kind of been like, you know, oh, a man wronged me. So all men are dogs, you know, and, and the, the, the way that you're wronged could just like, is a blanket thing, you know? <laughs> Do you fucking like shit in your living room? Because if not, <laughs> it's probably not dog behavior. My boyfriend <laughs> rubbed his ass on my carpet. All men are dogs. <laughs> <laughs> he did the boot scoot around the, around, my boyfriend, around the living room. My boyfriend got tapeworm or uh, ringworm or whatever the dogs get that they get to get vaccinated for. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so this this song it starts off. It's music in your face. It's got some, uh, the chorus of this song is pretty great. Little pieces of their bodies blowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah. It seems like it might literally be about bombs. Yeah, that's that's how I took it. You know, I, I definitely thought of this as, you know, um, kind of just uh, surface level, just in your face type of, you know, kickoff to the album. Right. Um, yeah, that's really all he's like. He says, hear the sun crushing, crushing, crashing down from the sky. Darkness crawls coming in from all sides. Uh, what I what that makes me think of is the whistling sound that you hear as bombs fall. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, uh, and like calling it the sun because when it hits the when it hits the ground, it ex- it explodes yep. very much like the sun. Uh, it's just yeah, I think it's just very literal. I don't know that there's anything to take away from this other than like, hey, this album's about to hit you like a bomb. <laughs> yep, sets the stage. And uh, and. And it's true, as we've discussed already. That's what this album does: is it, uh, it comes at you. So, all right, yeah. I don't know that I have much else to say about this. Yeah, it's, than... it's a very quick one. You know, it just kind of comes and goes, and and it gets you ready for what you're about to hear. The the little pieces of their bodies blowing in the wind bit. I like that though. Oh, I, yeah. I really enjoy it when I'm listening to it. It's, uh, it reminds me of. Um, I don't know if it's if it is. It might also be called Bombs Away or. Bombs over Brooklyn, bombs over uh, Baghdad by Outcast. Bomb? No, bom- this is by Big Data. Bombs over Brooklyn. Oh, okay, okay. Um, they talk. It's it's again literally about bombs coming down and there being nowhere <laughs> left to hide. Um, but it's kind of like I I really like that song. So of course I see bombs away and I'm I'm thinking bombs. Bombs. This is a bombs. bomb podcast now. <laughs> it's, uh, it's actually a lightning bomb podcast. We're, we're going to review striking bombs with lightning. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's going to be dangerous. We don't have any safety equipment. Yeah, that, that's the only way to do it. Safety always off. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fucking throwback to the first song, Screen Commodities. Woo woo! All right, so yeah, yeah, like I agree with you. This song's just kind of you know, it's um. It's not filler. It's uh, it's set in the stage because it's the first song. I think if the song was anywhere else in the album, it would be like a little filler type of thing. But once they get out of the way, they get into the the very common structure that bands have always followed and will always follow of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, or at least in a lot of songs, lyrics with their hook sprinkled in. And the hook in this next one, Wannabe Angel, I dig it. I I love I'm a wannabe I'm a wannabe angel Oh, this is this is one of the songs where I'm like okay, you know, like this is this is a great kind of like pump up song. Definitely. 
Uh, and there, there are some things in this song that like have a little bit of depth to them. So like for you, I wear this mask at home. I tear it off. Like that's, it's very obviously saying like, I, I put up a front yep. for the world and I'm, this is not who I am necessarily. Um, and he says things like, I want my friends to think I'm awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a certain level of, like, uh, insecure, maybe not insecurity, but that, that but, duality that he's kind of presenting to the world versus himself. Well, you're, you're right in, in hesitating about it being insecurity. It could be insecurity, mm-hmm. but maybe it's not. Uh, but it's definitely, like you said, a duality. He's trying to be, I don't know, trying, not necessarily trying to be someone he's not, just maybe pretending to be someone he's not so he doesn't have to deal with people thinking about who he is. Or, or oh, yeah. what people might think about who he is. Kind of like a, uh, a misdirection tactic. Like, if you, if you play that role so much, people aren't, aren't going to question it. Like, I, I'm, I, I, it makes me think of, like, angsty teenagers who are like, don't look at me! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I think but, that, that makes some sense because I, I've always kind of thought of that as, you know, if you, if you are doing that, if you're two-faced, or, you know, duality, I think two-faced has a more negative connotation but like if you're if you're pretending to be somebody else for the world, um, I think that that is in some sense going to eat away at you. Like if you're pretending somewhere you're not, you know, you do feel bad about that. Or I guess you should unless you're a sociopath or something like that. But, you know, later on in the song, he says, you know, you'll probably end up in heaven and I'll be burning in hell. And it's it's like I'm, I took that as him saying it's like, well, that's I'm going to do what I need to do for this life. And it'll probably hurt me in the next life, you know, or in the long run, if you interpret it that way, in the less religious sure. way. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, I can get behind that. Yeah, well, and I, I really like that because I've, I've said, you know, a number of times that I don't think hell is a place that you go when you die. I think hell is a place you go to many times while you're alive. Mm-hmm. And uh, and absolutely, like, this this could be like, I'm going to pretend to be someone else, and as a result, I'm going to end up not happy. Yes. Uh, and that, very, very much, I, I like that. Uh, there's a line in here. Um, you know, he talks about what do you, I want my fans to think I'm so punk rock, so punk rock and roll. All and all you hipsters say I'm gay. Well, I'm not gay at all. And all you hipsters say I'm gay. Well, I'm not gay at all. Uh, I think this guy's gay. <laughs> <laughs> it could no, could I, be. I, I'm I'm kind of joking. I you know I don't have an opinion about his sexuality, but I find that line very strange. It's like. It reminds me of like Shakespeare's was she doth protest too much or whatever. Sure. Like, it's like, why are you even saying this? Yeah. Yeah. It fits. It fits with that. You know, if he if if he is gay or if the, the narrator of this song is gay and then he's putting on the front saying he's not for his fans and the rest of the world, it fits with that motif. Um, but it is. I definitely picked up on that as well. And it's just like, you know, the punk rock I get because it's like you talk about your fans and you're and you're your musicians your musicianship and stuff like that but then the the sexuality coming out of nowhere i was kind of like oh it definitely caught my attention um and then he, he you know he goes on to say that, like that's followed by for you i wear this mask at home i tear it off yep because i don't need it no i don't need it at all like there's there's the admission right there like i don't need the mask i put on um at, at least behind closed doors i don't need it um but but that could be like that protest. I don't need this. Really, really could be the way that like somebody screams like I don't give a fuck when they actually care a lot. Yeah, but, yep. like I do need like I don't you know him saying I don't need it is him like trying to convince himself or trying to uh, 
reassure himself that he doesn't need it, but in, but in fact he does. I mean, obviously he puts it on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not clear if the all you hipsters say I'm gay. Well, I'm not gay at all. Like, is is him acting gay part of the mask? And he's actually not gay at mm. home. Like he's very masculine and and you know maybe may I I don't know. Yeah, it could could uh, go. Yeah, it could go that way. But uh, yeah, it's it's very it's very interesting. It's a it's an interesting concept for a song, and then especially with the hook of "Wanna Be Angel." You know, he's like he wants to be this this I- idyllic thing for his outward appearance or for other people to see him as. Um, it, it kind of reminds me of of the idea of of like this Carl Jung is some philosophy shit psychology. Uh, you have this like shadow inside of you, like the 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 dangerous or or maybe bad parts of you, the undesirable mm-hmm. parts of you. Um, it, it reminds me of somebody who's like trying really hard not to let that part out. Yeah, just like trying trying to completely conceal the fact that sometimes they're they're disagreeable and they don't just they're not just okay with the people around them. So like the, you know, I'm a wannabe angel. Yep. Uh, and around you, maybe I am an angel, but maybe I'm also an, an asshole. And hence I'll be burning in hell. Yeah, so I, I don't know. This this is a good song. It's fun. It's upbeat. The chorus delivery is really good. Oh yeah, and it, you know it gets to that point. Like when I'm when I'm looking at the lyrics, especially you know I see it and I see it in a lot of these songs where you know it's it's like the the verse chorus verse chorus, but then it's like there's only really you know two differences. Like there's very few differences in a lot of this stuff, and that goes what we were saying. It's like he basically just like cycles through his lyrics. Once he gets like a small set of good ones, but then they hit that point where you get that blast of sound and it makes it feel different. You know, it makes you right. feel like you've, you've gone on that journey. Whereas if you didn't have that, it'd just be like, why, why did I listen to this song twice? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, that hadn't, it had never occurred to me that it was that repetitive for probably for that reason, because it does yep. sound very different. Yeah, they, so they, it very gives much, it that depth, yep. We, we've talked in the past about artists using their their lyrics as music whereas here they're using their music their their music to differentiate their lyrics yep exactly yeah it's a, it's so a it's, nice it's, switch up it's a little bit of a duality that music and lyrics are a little more interchangeable than we might have thought mm-hmm. uh so that's that's kind of interesting do you have any more to say about this song before we move on no i think i think that's it and then the next one we have is count me out this Which, might be my favorite song. Okay, it's another it's another good hook for sure. If this is what love is all about, you can count me out. Yes, yes. Uh, and there's a so if she's spending her life without him, she's calling it quits. If she can't have him, she'll kill herself. If this is what love is all about, yep, I don't want any fucking part of it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's that's just like a good, a good message. But uh, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on this song? So definitely, the, it stood out to me the the first set of lyrics when he says the song starts with him saying she was only seventeen, a few months shy, maybe. And I was like, whoa, red alert, cancel this dude. 
because then then he says, boy looks in her eyes such a lover. A few weeks down the line, they're tying the knot. So it's like it's like okay, you know uh, uh, what what's going on here? That of course is not what the song is really getting at. But I just found that was another thing, like the hipsters say I'm gay line that it just stuck out to me as like you could have picked like any age, you know, like eighteen <laughs> would have worked just as well as seventeen. They both rhyme. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely, yeah. So he's talking about somebody who's like late sixteen, early seventeen, getting married yep. early. Yep. Um, which. So, I mean, I think it's like a kind of a common trope that there's like this, this like young love, like Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. Oh, they sure. talk about some, but like the, the point of that play was not that those kids were in love is that, that they were fucking stupid because they were young and emotional. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's like the, the common like love tell that we, that we have. So mm-hmm. like, I kind of get the, the feeling that the line, you know, this is what love is all about. You can count me out is, is like kind of an acknowledgement of like this can't be what love is all about yeah yep like this is this is some bullshit uh this is you know young teenage lovers it's like a few weeks later they're tying the knot but then a few weeks after that it's over that's yeah that's just like emotional honeymoon phase yeah yeah exactly that 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 infatuation for sure that's gonna fade a lot quicker than what love is all about um this chorus, though, the, if this is what love is all about, you can count me out, baby, count me out, just count me out. He says count me out a lot. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then that repeats. So I'm not going to say it again. Um, I I can't help but scream this when I'm listening <laughs> to this song. It is good. It, it, it's really well well presented. And, you know, it's count like it makes out. so much sense to to repeat it. And that's one of the things I always, you know, uh, love about the creative process and <laughs> One of the things that always baffles me about the creative process is that, you know, no one – I can't imagine that anybody is like – they get a line and they're like, oh, yeah. Like without the music, like in the writing process, they're like, oh, this is a great line. I need to say it 16 times in a row. (laughs) Like you have to to like come to that realization and go through that process. And then when it works, it's like fantastic because – you know, like you said, it's 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 you can count me out, baby count me out, just count me out. So we got the you can, the baby, and the just – like what like this song would be so fundamentally different sound different if we didn't have like the just line and there were just two instead of three right and it would also be different if we had even a fourth one you know to make it even longer and it's like the decision to reach that balance is just so awesome each of them is delivered differently also yes yes um you can count me out baby count me out just count me out yeah that one's that one's stretched uh compared to the other ones and it's it's definitely the the one I really emphasize when I'm when I'm belting this song. Yep, and that's that breaks um, up the repetition of it, which is great. Yeah, which makes it flow so much nicer. Uh, and it it actually matches in the delivery of if this is what love is all about, because that's very stretched out. Yep. Whenever he's whenever he's singing it, um, yeah. So I think despite the the repetitive nature of a lot of the lyrics, they deliver them so differently throughout the album, mm-hmm. throughout the song, that uh, that it it works out. I love the line in this. It's a little later on when he says, uh, loneliness won't leave me alone. It's mid-July and I'm still cold. Loneliness won't leave me alone. It's mid-July and I'm still cold. Thinking of my saddest memory, yeah, just so I can cry. That, that definitely yes. stood, out, stood out to me when I listened to this way back in the day. I'm like, yeah, I dig that. That's, uh... 
the follow-up line on that is thinking of my saddest memory. Yeah, just so I can cry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so I, I've known a number of people in my life. Shocker. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? And, and uh, yeah, yeah, I know people. Uh, one of one of them uh, has has told me like when they're really sad and they they just need to cry but they can't. They'll like watch a uh, sad movie sure. to make themselves cry. And so like. I wonder if that's what he's getting at. Like, I'm so sad and so drained, but I just need to cry it out. So, yeah. like, I'm thinking of my saddest memory. Uh, but, yeah, loneliness won't leave me alone is a dope line. Yeah. Oh, uh-huh. yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you said this might be your favorite song on the album. This is definitely up there for me. Um, I don't know. I, I think we'll we'll get to what I think is my favorite song a little later on. <laughs> okay. So um, the, the verse before the thing that we just talked about um, – is it talks about a boy coming home from school, finding his mom crying. Dad cheated on mom. Yep. Uh, and then he says, like, she's trying to wrap her mind around it. She can't figure it out. And that's followed up by, she can't figure it out. Yep. It's so good. She's trying to wrap her mind around it. She can't figure it out. She can't figure it out. Oh, yeah. Like the, the punctuation of, of that stuff is, is it fits very well. Yeah. That, that's another another part of the song that I belt. Like I just fucking right scream on. that part. <laughs> it's uh, I've definitely like startled my girlfriend. She'll like come in here, like what the fuck's going on? Because I'm just singing, screaming this song. What can't you uh, figure out? <laughs> so like I don't know this this loneliness won't leave me alone thing seems to be so in contrast with like if this is what love is all about, you can count me out. Um, maybe it's. Maybe he's connecting, like because I once felt love. Now I'm alone. Now I'm alone. Yeah, I'm, yeah. Or, or, or rather, because some people have felt love, they now feel alone, and I don't want to experience that. So, mm-hmm. like, there, there's that possibility. Or it could be back to the whole that actually wasn't love, like kind of that realization as you age, like, just yeah, like I need real companionship now. Um, yeah, that's how I took it. I, I think, and and I think that that makes some sense, especially with the uh, you know the, the marriage breaking up in the first verse, the the cheating on in the second verse, and then it's kind of like you know, um, there's there's all these different ways for relationships to end, and you know until you find one that doesn't, they're always going to have some end, and so it's like loneliness won't leave me alone. It keeps coming back to me. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that, that's that's definitely right. They they end until they don't, right? Yeah, yeah. That's it's. Uh, I, whenever I discuss that with people, I always you say that, and everybody realizes that and understands it. But it just sounds like the stupidest phrase, right? <laughs> and they all end until they don't, and it's like, well, well, of course. <laughs> it's like saying like this when people say it's not over till it's over, and it's like, well, clearly, like vacuously, that's, a, that's, that's a true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's lost until you found it. So it's you know. yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's a good one. Are we ready for Bye Bye Symphony? Yes. Yeah. So this was when I when I first listened to this uh, Au Contraire, even back in the day. I this this line also stood out to me. Life is a bitch, but she's totally doable.
And I Definitely. was like, and I was like, I dig that. I was like, you know, even though I didn't get hardcore into this album back in the day, this line I was like, right on. I was like, that's a great piece of lyrics. Yeah. So the follow up on that is, she'll knock you around and she'll lend you a hand. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And that's, <laughs> I mean, that's just like a very, you know, kind of like silly or, or or metaphorical way to say like sometimes life is hard and other times it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then and I do. Oh, yeah, I I do think this song is kind of um, a a companion to Count Me Out because, you know, Count Me Out, like we just discussed, is about those relations, has that aspect of relationships ending. And then this song, I would say, you know, we talk about that, you know, life's a bitch, but it's totally doable. Like, you're going to get knocked down, you're going to get pulled back up. And it takes until the end of the song for him to talk about the Bye Bye Symphony. And and so it's kind of like, I feel like that's, you know, like... We have this previous song about specifically relationships. This one's more about kind of life in general. But like we said, these things have to end. And so this this bye-bye, this you know, goodbye symphony is always playing whenever life is, is affecting you in some way. Hmm. Interesting. Bye-bye symphony, you were the soundtrack to my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so like at first I, I was kind of thinking based on some of the lyrics earlier – um, you know, it seems like everything in life I try for, I'll never get before I die. Yep. I was thinking maybe Bye Bye Symphony is like the, uh, the swan song, the death, you know? Oh, okay. Uh, but Bye Bye Symphony, you're the soundtrack to my life. Uh, it doesn't really vibe a whole lot. So it's not like dying was your whole life. I mean, maybe it was, maybe that is what he's saying, but, mm-hmm. but, but it very well could be more that like, we, we tend to just as people, we tend to notice and pay attention to the negatives in life a lot more than the positives. Oh yeah. Uh, and so it very well could be just an assertion, like everything in life that I remember sucked or everything in life was always leaving me. Yep. Yep. Um, maybe that's what the bye bye is about. Mm, Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, but yeah, that, that's a common, um, I think, uh, there's uh, billions and billions of songs that are about something idea, some idea like that, and it's it's always good to get you know different artists' interpretation of it. Like it makes me think of um, uh, the Modest Mouse song, whatever the name of it is. Uh, you know, if it takes shit to make bliss, then I feel pretty blissfully. You know, talking mm. about the take, have to take the good with the bad, all that stuff. Sure, sure. Um, I, I definitely interpret that line as being like, there's a lot of shit in my life. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then he, he says, you know, bye bye symphony. There are no sad songs left to write. So that kind of vibes with the death thing. But I mean, maybe, maybe it also vibes with like a desensitization of you as you become older. And it's yeah. Like, and that's lose that, and lose and lose. And then yeah, okay. that pairs up with the next one. The tears have run down, gone and dried. Sure. Yeah. You're, desensitized not not emotional anymore uh or well then the following line because you waited i've finally died yep yep <laughs> uh, it's it's this this stands out to me because i do think it is um it, it's a it's a little more complex of a maybe not complex more complex but different structure from the other songs on the album because you know this whole song it's like you get into the habit of the hook being the life's a bitch but she's totally doable that set of lyrics but we only get the Bye Bye Symphony stuff once. And right. definitely when I listen to it, it always kind of strikes me because it is, it is kind of a, a switch up in the song. And I, it's a somewhat jarring, but not like, you know, whiplash or anything. But it always, it always kind of comes out of left field because it doesn't match their, their repetition type of thing. Sure. It's definitely a different choice. Um, 
I'm looking at the second verse here, or the second stanza, I guess. Uh, What's the point in moaning? Ought to leave that for the ghosts? It's better to think it through. Find the words that bring you hope. Oh, hope, I need you. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know if if we're if we're going with the idea that that maybe loss happened you know substantially and significantly throughout his life until the point that he was desensitized. Uh, I guess crying out that you need hope might make sense. Mm, could could be okay. Uh, but hope, I mean, so there's like. I'm sure you've you've heard of the Pandora's box interpretation where like the last and worst thing to come out of the box is hope. Sure. Sure. Uh, because it keeps you suffering, uh, which is fucked. (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. And I I think the, the hope aspect, it it jives with me on the, you know, life's a bitch, but she's totally doable. He's not saying life's a bitch and he's not saying, and I'm doing it. He said, she's totally doable. Like there is a potential, there's a hope to be able to do it. Sure. Sure. Uh, I, I I definitely like so I get the, the the this is phrased obviously like she's fuckable. Like that's what Oh yeah, yeah. Uh but it's I think it's phrased that way just for the phrasing, whereas the meaning is like life's hard but you can do it as you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like like you, you can actually live it. Um she may be a beauty, but life life is a bitch. <laughs> yep, ain't that the truth? <laughs> and yeah, that's 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 a good way to say it. That is just a true statement. <laughs> I don't know that we need to that we need to dig into that. Um, yeah, so I mean, but there is a lot of repetition that you definitely get the life is a bitch bit over uh, you know quite a few times in this song. Yep, before and after the bye bye symphony bit. So that's yeah yeah we we get it one more time at the end of the song yep <laughs> uh she'll tell you a story but never never believe is actually the last science line in the song so it is it is a little different yep uh kind of in the way you mentioned earlier where they change just a few words or whatever mm-hmm. I wonder what, well, let's see she'll tell you a story but never never believe what is that supposed to mean i kind of took that as you know um your expectations will not be met you know, like if, if life tells you something's going to happen to you, you know, you can believe that, but you probably shouldn't because in more cases than not, your expectations won't be met, like I said. Have, have you ever heard uh, the assertion that the only thing you can be certain about is the that the thing that you're worrying about is not the thing that's going to cause you problems? Oh, sure. Yep. Like it's always going to be something other than what you expect. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe that's what they're getting at. Um, never believe yeah, the only the only thing that's certain is uncertainty, something like that. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's in, that's interesting. I don't I don't know if I'd ever really focused on that line before. Yeah, it does, it does of, come so quick. Yep. I'm kind of sick of losing Rob. I hear you. <laughs> All right, but uh, despite being sick of losing, I am unstoppable. Unstoppable. <laughs> I know it was unbreakable, but every time I hear anything that fits that meter, that's still stuck in my head from back in the day. <laughs> yes, unstoppable. Uh, and he is definitely unstoppable in repeating his lyrics in this song. <laughs> he cannot be stopped. <laughs> uh, yeah, we can't be defeated. We will always repeat our lyrics. <laughs> we are unstoppable. And, and we don't read it. We don't a reason. Need, <laughs> we don't need a reason to repeat them. <laughs> we are unstoppable. Woo. Woo. Um, <laughs> woo. Yeah, yeah. This this song I I I mean, you know, this song isn't one of my favorites, I think because just... of the repetition. You're unstoppable. No, we can't be defeated. 
like a feel good anthem. Yeah, it's not really anything else. Just, we won't back down this time. I back down from what? I guess from life. Yeah, from yeah, because that with the, the pairing of the last cool. song. Yeah, it's yeah. Just, and so I, I, you know, it's a, it's, it's just so, so repetitive. And this is one of the ones where it's really leaning on the music to to mix things up and sure. and then we even get you know the um the uh vocalization portion of this song where it's like yo yeah So I definitely think like, that's like a studio note of where where that vocalization part is. It's he had another like iteration of Unstoppable, and someone in the studio like was like, "No, you got to you got to mix it up a little bit." <laughs> I have to stop you here. Yeah. No, but I'm I Unstoppable. Mean, that... <laughs> you kind of you know vibes with the fact that at the, at the last bit. The We Are Unstoppable stance is just twice in a row, right? <laughs> yep. Um, the, the one, well, I guess there's actually, like, what, two verses in this song? Yeah, that, yeah. That the, are kind um, of the, like lyrics? The talking down to his, uh, the, or not talking down to, but talking to his mother, and then yeah. the sticks and stones may break my bones type of thing. Yeah, so um, the the last two lines of each of these stances are, are actually repetitions. yeah. <laughs> yeah, we won't back down this time. No, we won't back down this time. Oh God, it's yeah. it's insane, and I I love that there's just the sheer like boldness of not even trying to find like a synonym for unstoppable. Like it's just unstoppable <laughs> over and over again. Absolutely. I mean, in general conversation, I I prefer to avoid that kind of repetition, <laughs> but to, yeah. but to say it 37 times, uh, I I feel like we're we're maybe keeping an unstoppable census on this and it's <laughs> like 80 90 times you're saying unstoppable <laughs> too many times <laughs> um i do like the line sticks and stones may hurt but we don't care Which we wouldn't care because we're unstoppable. Yep. Yeah. And you're not going to stop us from getting to the second floor. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a good way to put it, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and th- uh, thankfully, we do get some more repetition in this song, but it's not as, not as bad as unstoppable. Uh, shimmy shimmy off shimmy shimmy that's that's some good shit in this song it is yeah yeah another another good hook you know and he definitely knows with the with the voice that he has he knows how to how to get these these kind of weird lines and you know like not that the i think this is the first one that i would really consider a little weird like the repetition of shimmy rather than you know the the more um uh, commonplace words i'm not saying like shimmy is an unusual word but I don't think it's one that you would think of and be like, oh, yeah, I need to get that in a song or something like that. Right. So this this song appears to be about somebody sitting on a ledge about to jump off of the second floor. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's which is this not one, very high to be jumping from. No, like not at you, all. you will. You will survive that unless you go head first. Like that's 
this was one of the ones that when I was listening to it, I don't, I didn't really, I couldn't really pick up or form like a, a specific idea of what he was trying to say. But when I read the lyrics, I definitely get a sense of like, um, like he even says it, you know, now I'm down here with the lower class, like a, like a, a placement in society type of thing. And yeah, it's, and it's, I'm down here with the lower class. Yeah, and it's kind of like, but he's going the opposite because, like he said, yeah. like you said, you know, he's on this ledge on the second floor, and he's ready to go down, and so it's kind of like he wants to reduce his class or something like that. Yeah, it's like he doesn't feel like he belongs with. Uh, I I kind of got, and maybe there's actually a mention of wolves in this song yeah, i don't know if says, there's or not uh, he oh, says yeah. so long to the second floor it's been fun but i don't belong up there with the industry or up there with you there wolves. wolves yeah so i, I kind of think of it as like an abdication of a position that he found himself in. Mm. Like I, I discover now that I am mixed in with, with what, what I thought of as upper class elites, but it's really just cutthroat pieces of shit. Yeah. And I'm not, and I'm not interested and I don't belong. Um, or, or maybe it's not as judgmental. Maybe it's just like, you guys are cutthroat and I don't belong here. Um, you know, up there with you wolves. I, I like the way that line's delivered. Um, but that's kind of the vibe I get is like, jumping down to the lower class like i'm just i'm going i'm going back to my people yeah 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 definitely and you know when he says now i'm down here with the lower class down here with the idiots yeah i feel better now yep and yeah, yeah i, I, I like now. that i like that idea for sure but but then uh, so this is pretty similar to that whole gay thing he, he follows it with i said i feel better now like why are you repeating yourself do you not believe it yeah, uh, oh that's a, that's a good point yep yep um, so like maybe there's some amount of regret for having left, mm. which doesn't like that doesn't really vibe as far as I know with any of their history because at this point they haven't disbanded or anything. Yes. Um, maybe it hints at a bit of regret for having left something. Yeah, which I think is natural. And you know, even if you even if you know it's something's really good for you, there's always that twinge. You know, yep. might not be very strong, but it's like you know you did kind of give something up or leave something. And right. he even says that at the start, you know, he has to prepare himself. Right. Well, in the next bit is uh, I'm not ready to spend the night alone. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready to spend the night alone. I'm not ready. I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready to spend the night alone. I wonder if that is referring to some kind of relationship or maybe access to some kind of nefarious type of thing that oh yeah a- access to hookers or something like that that he had <laughs> when he was part of it with the industry wolves um yeah that's interesting i don't think i picked up on that and then yeah i guess it's really just a bunch of that i didn't i don't know if i realized how repetitive this album was but that's i mean it, it's a, it's a credit to them that i didn't realize how repetitive it oh was. definitely definitely because uh, uh, you really have to start to you know analyze it like we are to get that sense because right. the music does so much of the work as I fall to the lonely world below, in midair floating there, I declare. So uh, it feels like a little bit like a fallen angel type of thing. Mm, yep, sure. He talks about getting home and the door being locked. 
Oh, yeah, so he has to sneak around like G.I. Joe. <laughs> yeah, I pretend I'm a G.I. Joe and sneak around the house. I hear the dogs. They're all freaking out. I shimmy, shimmy in. Shimmy, shimmy in. He says shimmy a lot in this song. Oh, yeah. Does he, shimmy, uh, did G.I. Joe ever sneak? Wasn't G.I. Joe like a like a bust-down-your-door assault I, squad? That's, yeah, I, I think that that's correct. Yeah, okay. that's the... <laughs> I hope that's I hope that's what he means where he says pretend I'm a GI Joe and sneak around the house and when he's sneaking around the house he's really just <laughs> like kicking in doors yeah because <laughs> and then the dogs they're all freaking out <laughs> he shimmies while he's doing it whatever that means yeah <laughs> Is that, maybe that's maybe that's code for some kind of drug um, GI <laughs> Joe <laughs> <laughs> knowing it's half the battle shimmying is the other half. <laughs> <laughs> They cut that from the marketing. They figured it wouldn't it wouldn't uh, go over well. But he knew. Eric Nally knew. <laughs> he did. He may, he may have been in on the original GI Joe creators. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say that I know for certain that they cut him out of the profits, but I am pretty certain that he didn't get any of them. So. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so take that as you will. <laughs> Draw your own conclusions. <laughs> Don't let them think for you, you sheeple. <laughs> We're unstoppable. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, indeed. <laughs> this uh, this is, uh, yet again, oh, Lord, is another one where we get a um, a full chorus, not really just the hook, like a chorus of actually with different lines in it, you know? <laughs> which I, which I, I always enjoy, you know, absolutely. I don't know who Julian is, though. Uh, well, I mean, he says son. I don't know if he has a son. Yeah, that, that, that's what I'm getting at for sure, is that, you know, it, that's a very s- specific thing to use if, you know, if you got to use a name, because you don't have to. You could say, you know, instead of Julian, it's a hungry world, like son, it's a hungry world. And and also, you know, the other thing is son in and of itself uh, could be like a, a not a familial term, but like a friendly term, you know, like sure. I've, called, I've called you son before. But we're not related. You're older than me. <laughs> Normally, it's a derogatory term when you call somebody son. Uh, <laughs> listen to your son. It's like trying to put you in your place a little bit. They're going to eat you uh, alive, he, son. <laughs> he he could have left out Julian entirely. Yeah, no yeah. name, no name at all. Uh, n- not even son. Just it's a hungry world. They're going to eat you alive, son. Like that would have been exactly uh, so yeah, yeah I, don't so know I don't know who julian is or you know anything like that um but it just seems it's so s- specifically noted as in the song and as like the first word in the song that it seems like it should have some meaning to him well and he, you know he follows that with oh julian when their fangs sink in i'll stitch you but then i gotta throw you back in um this is about raising a child it definitely this, seems that way yeah this is like well and that's like a that's what a good parent should do is like, let me make sure you're still alive and not going to die. Yep. And now go back out there. Like, it's, you know, you don't want to teach your children to be afraid. So this is, at least to some degree, an indication that, that Eric Nally or whoever wrote this might have been a good parent to Julian. Yep. Yeah. And it even says, you know, like, uh, the light is always on. Keep that in mind. And then he says, I'm always, later on, he says, I'm always here. Keep that in mind. So definitely. Um, when the, So you try and sleep even though you're alone. You just try to 
you just close your eyes, boy, you dream of home. So, I mean, maybe so this is somebody who is not home. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and light is always on. You just keep that in mind. When you wake in the morning, you'll be satisfied. I don't – I'm not sure what that's about. Like, I get a little bit of, like, a, I'm taking my son on tour with me type of vibe. Oh. Like, uh, and, you know, maybe I'm not in the hotel room with him because I'm out doing nefarious things with the hookers up on the second floor or whatever. Sure. sure. <laughs> uh, or, you know, the wolves. Um but you know, know that know that the light's always on. Uh, yeah, but I don't know what the place to get back to. Yep. I don't know what the when you wake in the morning you'll be satisfied bit is. Maybe he's giving his son hookers. <laughs> I, I I guess I kind of take it as you know even if if the son can't get home and he needs to because maybe distance or other you know things then you still should know that it's there for you and that should be some some sense of comfort. Mm, okay. Um, the chorus, because there's always a wrong to your right, and there will always be a war somewhere to fight, and God knows I've had some rough fucking years. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. Yep, yeah, a full full chorus that we get three times, yep. Um, always wrong to your right. That's kind of an interesting statement. Uh, it kind of kind of makes me feel like a little bit in the in the political world we're in right, right now. The divide that we have mm-hmm. is no matter what you do, somebody will find out, figure out why it's wrong. Oh, like, sure, sure, definitely that kind of vibe uh, in, in life. I mean, and this this line kind of reminds me of that. Yeah, I took it as a um. It made me think of uh, you know, like a no no good deed goes unpunished type of thing. Okay, yeah. Um, are you familiar with the word problematize? To make something a problem? Yeah. Okay, sure. That, that's like a social justice word right now. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, so it's like that's what, I'm, that's what makes me think of the wrong to your right. Like mm. there's somebody's going to problematize whatever it is. Uh, and there will always be a war somewhere to fight. It's like that's, that connects, you know. It's like, oh, they're making that a problem. It's, that's a war. Um, and, and, you know, it could be any kind of war. It could be any kind of uh, hardship that you might encounter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Internal or, or like, external, yep. Yes, yeah. And so God knows I've had some rough fucking years. Yeah, yeah that's just, you know, <laughs> what other way to say it, right? <laughs> so it looks it looks like I found a, um, I found a Q&A between Eric Nally and the State Press from 2010. Okay. Uh, uh, dated a week after this album came out, so April 21st. Oh, we're very close to that anniversary. Um, the, the State Press asks him about the video for this song, which I've never seen. I don't think I've seen any Foxy Shazam videos. But uh, he, Eric Nally says some stuff about the video, but then he goes on to say, uh, referring to Oh Lord, that song is written about my son, Julian, and that song is telling him about the hard times in life and the good times in life. He doesn't really understand right now, I don't think, because he's young, but it's really cool to think about it. 
Down the line, when I'm long gone, he can listen to it when he's older, and he can think that someone was so passionate about him and wrote something about him. So that's Aww. an interesting take. It's something for his son when he's long gone. Okay, yeah. Um, and so that, we, that gets more that in mind. Yeah, with, and that gets more of that, like, in the, when you wake in the morning, you'll be satisfied type of thing. Dream, dream of home? I mean, it, that could be a dream of the home where I was, yeah. that, I, you know, that I existed in. Um, and that, that could also be touching on the fact that, like, sometimes uh, a lot of people find nights really difficult uh, after loss. Oh, yeah. Whereas, like, in the daytime, you're busy, you got shit to do. But it, so, like, in the morning, you'll be satisfied could even be a, t- uh, a connection to that. The next verse, oh, Julian, I, Julian, I thought I told you this, but I guess I was wrong. It, oh, Julian, it probably scares you now. In the future, it counts. You got to trust me. Um, mm. I'm not sure what it is he's saying. I thought I told you. Yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not sure either because it comes right after the chorus. But and, then, but it, but oh, yeah, that that is, that is strange. Um, so lock this song away for a darker day. When you're down on your screaming, oh Lord, I'm always there. You just keep that in mind. When you wake in the morning, you'll be satisfied. So lock this song away for a darker day. I mean, that definitely vibes with with him saying like my son can listen to it and know someone was this passionate about him that they wrote this song for him yes maybe maybe when he's saying i thought i told you this but i guess i was wrong is getting it with the information we have from that q a now maybe he's saying julian when i was around and in your life i thought i had given you all this information but if i didn't here it is in this song for you to find probably okay Um, yeah i I think that fits because i don't think he's saying anything that he's the message he's sending is wrong just the fact that you know he he might not have gotten to it in the living years well and i think there's even a bit of humility here which is um you know maybe i did tell you but you didn't understand then Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and and in you not understanding it's clear i didn't achieve actually telling you yes yeah um and so like maybe there's even a a bit of of humility there Um, yeah i like that it probably scares you now, but in the future it counts. You got to trust me. I, I also like the fact that this this has definitely got to be one of the least repetitive songs on the album, and it has this deeper message to it. So that's good. Like he he cared about his son exactly. his son enough to write different words. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> awesome. That's a that's a really interesting thing because imagine if you're this dude's son. And you know your he he's your dad's dad. You listen to his songs, and it's like Julian. This one's for you, Julian, 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 Julian. This one's for you, Julian, Julian. Keep on, keep on, keep on, keep on, on shimmy, shimmy. And it'd be like, what the fuck, dad? <laughs> oh, Julian. Your name is Julian. So now we're getting to track eight, which is Connect. This is the one I think might be my favorite song on the album. Because it is repetitive, but man, I love the way it sounds with the gospel singers in the background supporting them. Like that is this is where this is where I'm finally like, okay, they're doing something a little more than than their shtick. And and I always love that kind of you know gospel singer backup. Even though I you know I think the the whole the uh, you know you connect me aspect of this song, it's not like my favorite theme of music or, or you know writing. But oh, it just sounds so cool. <laughs> Okay. 
Yeah, I, I definitely dig the gospel vibe. I think it it's it's one of those things in music that can give you chills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and like that's always neat. It's like evokes a certain amount of feeling in you um, that like maybe you wouldn't have encountered otherwise or have have had evoked. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Ooh ah, you connect me. You're the one. You hold me in my place. This is a good song. This is a uh, maybe a little softer. Definitely, than, yeah, yeah. Than some of their other stuff. You're unfair. You got a family that has need that has needs. No dedication. If I were there for you, well, then my dreams they don't come true. If I was there for them, I'll lose my family and my friends. What do I do? The fuck does that mean? Yeah, now? it's it's a very it's a very interesting one, and you know. It it's it makes me it gives me vibes of something like um, this this person he's saying that you know you connect me whoever's this narrator saying the you about you know you are the one you hold me in my place it seems like almost this narrator has found you know kind of like what they think is like a soulmate or like a perfect partner but the other person is already like has a family and so it's like he's saying you're unfair and it's like you got a family that has needs no dedication. And it's like it's almost like he's back bad talking the family, and it's like you know leave them come to me type of thing. Um, okay, I can see that. My whenever you first started describing it, my my thought on the no dedication is somebody who's not dedicated to their family. I uh, I think the no dedication is no dedication to the narrator, where it's like mm. it's like saying I hey it's like I love you we should be together. And you are saying no because you have a family that has needs. You're unfair to me. You're not dedicated to me because it's kind of well, like a very selfish vibe I'm getting. The the next line is, if I were there for you, well, then my dreams, they don't come true. So my, my initial thoughts on that, this is like somebody's. if I was there for you, my dreams don't come true. So like in the relationship vibe, there's like the, the certain amount of self-sacrifice that you have to make to make sure. relationships work. And so so one of those sacrificial things can be like, moving to a new area, leaving a job so that your spouse can find certain work, you know, whatever, um, leaving behind your dreams. You know, if I were there for you, well, then my dreams, they don't come true. Uh, but in, in terms of what you're saying or, or, you know, with that in mind, if I was there for you, somebody who has no dedication to me, my dreams don't come true mm-hmm. because what I want, what I dream of is you to have dedication to me. Yes. Um, or, or something like that. I mean, granted, that dream doesn't come true either way. Um, if I was there for them, I'll lose my family and my friends. So I think that when he's saying, if I were there for you, so he's saying, if I were there for you, I, I think not in like in the relationship sense. I think, you know, this other person saying, we can't be together because I have a family. The narrator being there for, for you, for this other person, would be supporting them in that endeavor. Like if I were there for you, if I oh. was going to do, then then my okay. dreams don't come true because we can't be together. But okay. if I'm there for them, which I I take to be referring to his dreams, then he loses everything that he is in his life. It's kind of like he wants to just he wants to like take everything outside of the two of them and and you know just connect the two those two people. And so he says, "What do I do? Like I love you and I want to support you, but that means we can't be together. But if I if we are together, I lose what I've already gathered, which is he also realizes is negative." Damn, that's good. <laughs> I, yeah, it's that's... it's a very interesting conundrum, you know. Yeah, I like that. Uh, so, an earlier verse: "You coward! I can feel you making my eyes in my reflection. I know what you're thinking. Just say it. You don't like me, 
It's a fact that I'm a dad. It makes you mad the dreams I had, but I can't help it. I can't help myself. You coward. I can feel you making eyes in my reflection. He's talking to himself, right? I think so, yeah. And because it's like this is the where the second verse that we discussed already, that one's more about the other person. This one definitely seems more introspective in the sense that, you know, he has these obligations. It's a fact that I'm a dad, but it makes him mad that he, he now has these other dreams that are going to damage that in some way. Huh. And I do, I, I do, know. if it is introspective, I like the, um, you know, I know what you're thinking, just say, you don't like me. Like he, he is angry with himself about this. Definitely. Which happens. I mean, that's oh, a real yeah. thing we experience. Like, I want this thing that makes me angry at myself for wanting it. And some, sometimes you have to give those up, and sometimes you have to sacrifice everything else. And it's, that's a tough conundrum to be in. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sometimes those wants are fleeting. and So I'm skipping down sure. a, a, to, the, to that next um, verse after the one that we talked about first. You take away the space between the two of us apart. You take away the dis, the disconnect. To them to guts. Them, <laughs> to them guts. You take away the space between the two of us apart. You take away the disconnect to link us heart to heart. Heart to heart. Yeah, that that's uh, that seems very like uh, I I kind of took this as you know very surface level like first off like first off take away the space between us so if there's any physical distance like just put us together but then he's I take it as like he's saying even closer like take away the disconnect to them guts like their their innards are still separate he wants it heart to heart like he wants those organs to intertwine oh shit okay I I dig it so this is about somebody who who seems who has a child yes maybe maybe eric nally himself maybe not who has a life finds himself falling in love with somebody who he should not be in love with yes yep experiences some amount of anger at himself about that and probably anger at himself because he if he's considering not following through with his dreams then he then he doesn't get his dreams which is making him angry but absolutely the fact that he has these dreams is probably also making him yeah, and even though he, he, you know, he says, "What do I do? I can't help myself." This is that where I think he's getting. He's like, "This is he can't help himself." He's thinking about this stuff in such a, uh, a like a, a strong way. You know, take apart the distance between us, and then take apart like take away the skin between us. Like really, like be with me type of thing. I want you inside me. Yep. Yeah. That's, that, I guess that Eric's Nally's way of saying that is take away the disconnect to them guts. <laughs> That's that's a strange line. I'm glad you're there to translate that for me because that doesn't seem like English. I think that's gonna that's gonna be um, the next like when I'm in bed with somebody, you know, and you know, the usual thing I want you inside me be like take away the disconnect to them guts, baby, <laughs> and then be like, okay, this person's a serial killer. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I dig I dig this song because that's it's the lyrics are definitely intriguing. And, you know, they take some, some like, inspection to break down. And it sounds so damn cool. It was a great song. Yeah, okay. I'm with you. It's, it's a good song. I definitely agree. 
And I like it more now that I've, that I've examined <laughs> right the lyrics as closely. And I, and I think it makes perfect sense because the next, ty- next track is The Only Way to My Heart. Now we know the only way like to my heart is to disconnect them guts. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, is this, this is the song where he says the only way to my heart is with an axe? I think that, so. Yeah, keep yeah. Keep the flowers. Yeah. I'll just give them back because the only way to my heart is with an axe. <laughs> yep. Keep the flowers. I'll just give them back. That's 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 a really fun juxtaposition, I guess, of of different types of emotions. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like you want me to love you, but the only way you're ever going to get to my heart is is literally killing me and taking my heart out. Yeah, yeah. This song definitely gets to a very repetitive point with the "let me let you know" stuff. Oh, but, I love that. Oh, let yeah, me it, let you know. it does sound let me good. Let you know. And, but it's it's like a huge chunk of the song, but it's always it's I find it intriguing that the, it starts not very repetitive. Mm-hmm. It starts with weird lines and incorrect grammar. Like he says, yeah. "worst worstest hurricane," and then I think later on he says, "stole your car," and I'm just like. I'm like this is weird and I and I dig it but it, it's just it doesn't fit with everything else that we've gotten from like the construction of his lyrics. It starts off I was thinking of, of sex and all the nasty things we do. I was thinking of love and how you got none in you. Yep. And then I, I pissed fit- my pants in an expensive suit. <laughs> so that pissed my pants uh I don't know how much you know about this child abuse is one of the main con- like causes of kids continuing to wet the bed beyond oh. the normal ages. Sure, sure. Um, that and eventually becoming a serial killer. Like I think those are the two main causes of, mm-hmm. of, of <laughs> bedwetting. And who knows, maybe they're related. So I, I pissed my pants in an expensive suit. That makes me feel like it's a reference to abuse. Mm-hmm. How, how love and how you got none in you. Like there's this. This has been something abusive. Yeah. Uh, this I. But that followed up with I can keep my hat on in the worstest hurricane. Uh, perhaps being around this person is the hurricane. Uh, oh sure, sure, and they're and they they they're saying that they can try to get through it. They can keep yeah. their hat on. Yep, yeah, yeah, I'm unstoppable. <laughs> if you will. Yes, yep, indeed. <laughs> so we, we were wrong. They did find another way to say unstoppable. Oh yeah, yeah. It took them a few tracks. Yeah, <laughs> that's fine. Hold me, I get lonely. I can only wait so long. I'm losing my mind. It's just that seems pretty surface level. It sounds yeah, yeah, and then and you know it, it it gets to this is where it like gets to the you know we get that uh, keep the flowers I'll give them back that gets repeated, and then the let me know stuff gets repeated and intertwined with uh, the hold me I get lonely and oh yeah it does it sounds great like you said the way that they can let me let you know let me let you know <laughs> the let way that they can know. get this going and put this together is great and it it definitely seems to one of these this is the song where like I mentioned earlier when there's a lot of repetition. I'm I'm always kind of blown away by the fact that like how do you reach that right balance you know this seems like a song that they were going and like jamming on and they just hit that groove and they just kept playing it over and over because they were just feeling it and letting it flow through and and the music reflects that as well.
So I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit OCD or something because of, I experience this. Occasionally, I, I will be saying a word and like I'll repeat it a few times, and then I'll feel like I can't stop repeating. Oh, sure, sure. Uh, I don't know if that happens to other people or not. I I get that vibe here. Like they were they were jamming. He said, "Let me let you know a few times," and he was like, "I can't stop. I just have to keep saying let me let you know." <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> so like maybe maybe you're right. You're a little more charitable. Like it was like, oh, this is what sounds good. Whereas I'm just like, he just got stuck. Like his his brain was just stuck, and he couldn't sure, not say let me sure. let you know. Yep, yep. Yeah, we've we've actually talked about that on Cinemonies a long time ago. It's called echolalia, that condition. Oh, okay. Yep, yep. Neat. So like um, uh, e- echo, you know, repeating, and like so like uh, pal- ec- we talked about echolalia and palalalia. Palalalia is speaking in tongues, like speaking gibberish. But okay. echolalia is when you like you get like you said you get stuck on some word or phrase. Okay, neat. Um, I, it's nice to know there's a word for it. <laughs> See, yeah. <laughs> Enough other people have experienced. So, all right. So that's something just briefly. I want to talk about this. Uh, occasionally I'll run into people. Like, Did you know the name of that is? No, that's what we decided to call it. The name of it <laughs> yes. is not something that exists. It's like what what this tells me is that enough other people have experienced it that they decided to give it a name. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. Not that this inherently is called that. Anyway, that's. Some yeah, shit. yeah. We, like uh, the the first time anything gets discovered or invented, like a little text bubble pops up in real life with the name of it. Like we discover the name as well. <laughs> it's like when you're playing an RPG. So he's just... <laughs> yeah. One of the lines in here is a cup of coffee b- for, before bed, so I dream fast. That's oh yeah, that's a very interesting line. <laughs> uh, so one of the things I learned recently, caffeine actually apparently accelerates the breakdown of melatonin. Okay. But melatonin can only break down while you're asleep. Yes. So caffeine actually, like, you can use it to make yourself not as tired, but you should drink it and then take a nap and then wake up mm. and be, like, well-rested because the melatonin is broken down. Um, oh, that's that's interesting. I've always, in my, my weird way of rationalizing things, there's definitely been a bunch of times where I'll, like, drink a cup of coffee and afterwards I'll get really tired and then mm-hmm. I'll like kick in, I'll like actually wake up afterwards. And I've always, my, my way of rationalizing has been, it's like, it's just pushing up all the tired to get it out of the way. <laughs> but I mean, that, there could that, be some connection be, there. That might be what it is doing. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. If, I, I'd have to talk to, to my biologist friend about that. But uh, the, so knowing that, and I'm not going to assert that this guy knew it when he wrote this song. Sure. But but thinking like a cup of coffee before uh, before bed so I dream fast like makes you think like dream fast, sleep less? Like my dreams are condensed into a smaller amount of time. Sure. It's like sure. that so like the melatonin is accelerated or the breakdown is. So that's kind of what I think of when I when I see that. Um and then I stole your car this the incorrect grammar yep that i purposely crashed is that part of the dream is that i i I don't know it seems like it should be but there's nothing else in here that really you know explains to me why if it wasn't part of the dream that a car would be purposely crashed you know it seems like a a disjoint line from the rest of the stuff well he he is saying that like you were abusive okay like we we used to bang each other so we were in some kind of relationship uh, you were abusive. You were like a hurricane, and maybe this is some kind of revenge. Mm. I stole your car. I or may- yeah, that's a valid interpretation. That just seems like a very, it's very out of nowhere. A very bad decision for revenge. Like, <laughs> like, like it seems like you know that's a that's a that's an extreme move that um could hurt. Well, I guess there's ways to crash a car without hurting yourself. 
uh, even though they could go wrong. But, you know, it seems like that would be... Um, Tuck and roll, baby. Somebody would be able to maybe figure that out. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> I feel like you're not getting away with that. Yeah, yeah, who knows? But, yeah, let me let me let you know. Yeah. <laughs> and that's said a bunch of times. Oh, like, I don't yeah. know how many times, but... And, like, in, in, like, in the song, there's, like, still some music, and then slowly the music fades out, and he's just saying, let me let you know! Yeah. Let me let you know! Yeah. Yeah, this um, this might like we said it for unstoppable. This one might actually be eighty to ninety times of let me let you know. <laughs> it really might be. Um, eighty or ninety times? That's too many times. Once or twice is cool, but eighty or ninety times, man. What are you from the department of Norm Sands? You taking no, the Norm Census? You counting my Norm Sands? So like, let me know, or I'll let you know is the thing we say when we're just like, I'm gonna give you some information later. Sure, sure. Let me let you know. I don't know what the fuck that means. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, I want to tell you something, but the other person might not be receptive to it, so it's like, sure. let me tell you this thing. And it's right. just like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> let, <laughs> let me tell you that I purposely crashed your car. <laughs> Maybe that is what he's... What he, let me let you know that that's why you don't have your car, and that's why I'm losing my mind. I feel like as we go through these tracks, I'm just building up the image of, of Eric Nally, or not even him, but this narrator, and just, you know, he's like, I'm unstoppable, I'm unstoppable, and then he goes back and he's like, listen, I gotta tell you, I got stopped, and the car crashed. The wall stopped me. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's why it was on purpose, because I was trying to figure out if i was unstoppable yes it was, i was doing a field test <laughs> it turns it turns out entirely stoppable in, in, <laughs> yes yes oh god <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> and it's like and it's like let me let me let you know that i crashed your car i'm stoppable <laughs> oh i dig uh, it we are stoppable <laughs> we can be defeated <laughs> oh jeez Oh God! Yeah, I think so. Yeah, this is a this is a good song. The repetition, it definitely has some good sounds. But this one is like you. you I notice it hardcore, even when I listen to it. Where I'm like, I know, uh, you want to let me let you know. I, I get it. <laughs> I'm 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 trying to let you stop. <laughs> like you're not taking long enough between saying let me let you know for me to actually let you. I like that. Yeah, I like that. It's like if you give me a chance to let you, <laughs> I'll totally do it. <laughs> I'm not opposed to knowing, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got to say, at this point in the album, Foxy Shazam's really killing it. Oh, yeah. And this track, <laughs> killing it, it kills it. I really like <laughs> this song. The This is definitely, like, a, a one, like, I think one of the most, like, in terms of harshest sounding, like, uh, like most, like, in-your-face type of stuff. I really dig it. And I love the uh, the chorus on this one. You know, I'm killing life like a one-way ticket to hell. Like, I dig that line. That's a good line. Uh, I'm on a high going down, down, down. I want to wipe that sad, sad feeling away. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's drugs. That's somebody is on drugs. Is what they're. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. And then even you know when you get we get the uh, the we are not ordinary things a little later on. Like it it all it all the music and the lyrics all fit together in just this kind of like you know this energetic you know living killing life like a one way ticket to hell and 
and the you know a little bit louder now portions and stuff like that. Oh, it's great. One of the uh, one of the lines in this the second little stanza there is, "Some songs I hate, some I hate even more." Yes. Yep. <laughs> It's uh, that feels like something you would say. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. There, there's stuff I hate. On there's things I hate even more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I like that that it fits with the um, like there's this whole motif of the of the down down in this song when he says it, you know. But also like like that's that's going deeper. Like I hate these things, but there's some I hate even more. And even before yeah. he says, you know, he gets scared of the climb. Would you catch my fall? And so there's this whole like motif of just going deeper or downwards into certain things. So tell me, Eric, does it hurt? That's not Eric singing that, I don't think, in the song. It doesn't, it's not mentioned here in the lyrics. Interesting, okay. Uh, but I don't think that Eric Nelly sings that, that line. So tell me, Eric, does it hurt? And then he screams, not at all! Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing drugs! I'm doing crazy! <laughs> I'm unstoppable! <laughs> Again, yeah. though, though I finally defeated the wall. <laughs> Eric, remember, remember the wall scenario. And he's like, nope, nope, it wasn't my problem. It was the car's problem. I got a tank, and that wall went down real quick. <laughs> the car was stopped. <laughs> yes, yes, he, I, he learned the able, hard way. I was able to climb the wall. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Or or uh, tunnel under it with the down motif. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one way ticket to hell. Oh yeah, yeah. This song, this song, um, like you said, they're killing it. <laughs> this pair of Foxy Shazams. The words I sing burn my throat as they leave. The words I sing burn my throat as they leave. Desperate measures for these times are in me. Do you feel the same? It's such a shame. Desperate measures for these for these times are in need. Do you feel the same? It's such a shame. So these words I sing burn my throat as, I, as they leave. Do you think he's saying, like, there's something about what I'm saying that I disagree with? Mm. And, like, I'm I'm saying it and it hurts me to do so? Maybe. Or do you think that he's smoked a lot of weed and he's just like, <laughs> my throat burns and I'm also singing? <laughs> that that could be. I was kind of thinking as um, maybe the words he disagrees disagrees with, so they're burning his throat. But at the same time, I also was thinking maybe it's something that – um. He he knows what he's saying is false. Like on the earlier track, we were talking about where he's putting on a mask for the outside world. It's like maybe sure. maybe when he's saying that, he knows he knows it's wrong. It's burning it for that reason. Right. But it but is, he does it because desperate measures for these times are in need, and that's a great little bit of, of writing to get you know taking a very common phrase like desperate times call for desperate measures. But he right. get he rewrites yeah. it to fit the meter to, so it fits with the song, and that's oh I love that shit. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's good. Um, do you feel the same? About desperate measures being necessary, it's mm. such a shame. Mm-hmm. Is it such a shame that desperate measures are necessary? It's such a shame that we're in times of need to the point that desperate measures are necessary. Yeah, yeah, could be because uh, you know maybe it's are, like they don't want to take desperate measures, but they're needed, and so you know it's a shame that they're needed. Are the desperate measures the drugs? Like, is the time of need him being sad? And he Could wants be. to wipe the feeling away. Yeah, needs uh, needs some needs something to cover that up, or or you know, like you said, wipe it away. Yep. Um, and even though they're harmful, it's it's desperate. You know, you need them. Well, and it could be that the words I sing burn my throat as they leave. Like he could be talking about like 
it's hard for me to say that I'm on a drug binge. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. I am on a drug binge. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it, there's definitely some sense of, you know, the words that he's saying or the words he's singing, they're difficult somehow. Definitely. Yeah. And it, I mean, I think maybe even a shame associated with knowing that he's using substances to solve his problems. Sure, sure. Like, what is it that, that Homer Simpson says? Like, beer. Now there's a temporary solution. Oh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Unemployed, out of work, sober, you sat around the house all day, but now it's Duff time. Duff, the beer that makes the days fly by. Beer. Now there's a temporary solution. But now this song is a lot of fun. It's good, good to listen to. You said, uh, what did you say, harsh or something like that? It's, it's. Yeah, harsh, harsh, maybe. not in the in the sense of that. Um, uh, I guess, I guess it has it has. I th- it's one of the tracks that I think has the most energy behind it and the most speed to it. Sure. You're talking about, like, methamphetamines, right? Definitely. Definitely. When I, when I played this song, like, Spotify, I got an email from Spotify saying that my uh, methamphetamines, they shipped me methamphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Definitely. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, and I think that, that juxtaposes almost, you know, perfectly the, the speed and the energy of this song to the... Um, and and the, the idea of going down, like he's he's riding this high, but he's going down, and there's all this energy and stuff. And then we transition into the the slowest, softest portion of the album, the intro to Evil Thoughts, with him and just him and the piano. Mm, right. Okay. And you know, and because Evil Thoughts starts with as my lamp grows dim and I'm hardly hanging on, so it's kind of like you know he's really feeling that now that he's all the way down, he could be really feeling you know that uh, that that impact of it. I mean, and yeah, and coming down from from drugs can leave you feeling dim. Oh yeah, yep. So I mean, I went really heavy on the drugs motif in that last song. I re- I mean, don't get me wrong. I think the lyrics do indicate that, but I don't want to assert that Eric Nally was on a bunch of drugs. I mean, <laughs> sure, he, sure. He, he, he may have been, but I don't want to be sued over that. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, that was not in the Q and A, from what I could tell. They yeah, didn't. Ask he never. Him. He never was just like I whatever. injected Lysol straight into my veins. What's your what's your what's your usage of drugs like, Eric Nally? And he's like, I'm on drugs right now. <laughs> I I did a lot of drugs before we got here. <laughs> oh it's yeah, yeah, yeah. I I agree with you that you know it 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 definitely has that idea of the um the substance use or possibly abuse. Um, but you know that that doesn't you know imply that that person did that or anything like that. This is a little bit of a tangent, but do you get a uh, like a Guy Fox vibe from the makeup on the album cover? Oh yeah, a little bit with the um with like with the with the longer mustache and the uh, the long hair. Yeah, yeah. yeah I wonder. If, I don't. Anyway, sorry. Sorry for the, the <laughs> sidetrack there. Um, I just was looking at the 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 album covers on every page for the lyrics. I was just looking at it again. So that's fucking Guy Fox. <laughs> yeah, Beef Vendetta. I think I think uh, Eric Nally has. A vibe like that. Does I think, he? I think uh, that yeah, I think that is Eric Nally on the cover, and I think he just has that kind of look about him with the uh, with that mustache and things like that. Do you that. know if he has freckles on his face, on his like nose area? Uh, because if not, I think I think that I've seen a picture with of him with drawn on freckles. Let's uh, see. Oh, that's oh, the first image I found is terrible oh. quality, so that won't help. <laughs> Let's see. In a press release, it doesn't look like if he does have freckles, they're very light. But it doesn't. It doesn't look like there's any any pronounced ones. Okay, I think in in one of the v- music videos he has some very pronounced freckles. Okay, interesting. Uh, 
and I, I think that they're drawn on. Oh, yep, yep. I see what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that looks definitely drawn on. Like, right across the bridge of his nose and under the two eyes. Foxy Shazam and the accidentally racist <laughs> single. Yeah, that's the picture I found, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, why is this accidentally racist? So, of course, you know, Ben, everything can be accidentally racist. Uh, I, um, I took a shower this morning, and I dropped the, like, the bottle of shampoo. That turned out to be accidentally racist. I don't. I don't know how, but it was. You know, the little, little the text sh- bubble popped up and said, "That's accidentally racist." That's so strange because when I drop it, it says it's intentionally racist. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it just, it's the type of shampoo you use, probably. <laughs> what, how is this accidentally? What's the so fuck? the song? What song the this? song they're talking about appears to be "I Like It." That's the title of the song. Okay, um, that's not on this album, is it? No, no, I think it's um, a different album. This article is from 2012, so it's probably off of the Church of Rock and Roll, I would guess. Because it's a single, so it might have come out uh, before or around that time. There's a line in this article It says, It turns out that he was, and that the chorus indeed consists of a white dude singing, That's the biggest black ass I've ever seen, and I like it. I've heard that song. Okay, I, I I don't think I have, but but the, it follows it up. I didn't with, know it was Foxy Shazam. Oh, okay, right on. And then the the person writing this article says, "Now I'm not saying that frontman Eric Sean Nally or anyone else in Foxy Shazam is racist, but their song is definitely racist." They followed up that they can give us a quick test to determine whether a song lyric, blog comment, joke, whatever is racist, sexist, homophobic. Oh God! Oh whatever. my God! This article is long. Uh, to swap out the cultural identities it uses for other cultural identities and see if it, the configuration raises any red flags. You may not have noticed the first time around, for instance, picture a big black guy singing a song about big white girl titties. Uh, that doesn't... Which, which I've heard many times. Radar. Which I've heard many, it, many it, times. Absolutely. <laughs> that's all they sing about, I think, is, is white titties and how much money they have. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh... I got so much money, I could start a bank. <laughs> uh, uh, I got so much money, I should start a bank. So much paper right in front of me, it's hard to think. Okay, so that probably doesn't ping on your race radar quite as loudly as I like it. Maybe because, sadly enough, the portrayal of black men as hypersexual predators lusting over white women is so baked into the history of pop culture that we're just used to the stereotype. But imagine a song by a white female singer about a huge black cox. And red flags start popping up all over the place. I don't think so. I I think that that big black dicks are like what is it? B, BBC's big black cocks. Like I think that's like a thing. <laughs> this article is ridiculous. This we is, should not. Yeah, been... This is yeah. Th- I'm gonna have, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, keep this open to read later on. But this is yeah. That that title when we found this... that title we had to look into it because that's. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it sounds like a Harry Potter title, Foxy Shazam and the Accidentally Racist Single. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah, so maybe yeah, I'll have to check out that song because uh, I don't think I've heard it. I, I believe I have heard it, but like I said, I didn't know it was Foxy Shazam at the time. Right and that's that article that feels that's just asinine. <laughs> Yes, so so our, our detour we got we got Thank there you. from um, thinking that Foxy Shazam might have freckles because we got there because he might look like Guy Fox. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Look at that rabbit hole. Right on. <laughs> All right. Back to evil thoughts. Yes. So, so yes, the, uh, the, the slow start with the piano and just him singing, it's good. But like I said at the, at the start of this conversation, you know, it gets back into their, their usual, you know, hit you right in the face, energized, passionate, blast of music. And it's, uh, this song's pretty good, you know. I think I'm just disappointed that it didn't stay that soft way. But like we said, you know, that's my opinion. It wouldn't have fit in the album, that type of thing. But, you know, I think this gets it uh, a lot of, you know, the, some of the previous songs we were talking about with the, you know, evil thoughts, evil powers seek my mind, I feel lost every time, things like it's that. It's sung very, very, uh, what'd you call it, operatic? Yes. Literally? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely operatic. Evil thoughts, evil powers seek my mind. Yeah, this, this was also the song that uh, definitely when I was listening to it for this uh, preparation for this recording, I think in this song he sounds... He has a um, a Cold War Kids vibe. The singer of the, of the Cold War Kids does some operatic stuff where, you know, uh, Eric Nally's a little harsher in a lot of the songs, but this one being so operatic, it made me think of some Cold War Kids stuff. Okay. And I was like, oh, uh, I always like that connection, too. As my lamp grows dim And I'm hardly hanging on In this path I've been following for years Mother instinct never gonna die. Oh, right, stay. You got my attention. Oh, my is vital affection. He he says back the way I came. Nothing looks the same. And the breadcrumbs I've left along the way now have been eaten away by the birds that have left in my past. interesting yeah i noticed that too i was kind of expecting it to be by the birds that i have left in my past yeah but he leaves out that i and that gives a little kind of weird interpretation or opens it up to a, a different interpretations for sure mm-hmm. um yeah that that have left in my past that's strange uh but i do like the idea of like i you know i was moving forward i left uh, i left a trail to hopefully be able to get back someday and that trail is gone Mm-hmm, exactly. There, there's no way to get back to to whatever it is I was before I. That's that's interesting. It's like a, it's like once it's fixed, once it's broken, it can't be fixed again. Like that type of uh, that idea. Like when you like shatter a plate, whatever. You could try to glue it all back together, but it wouldn't be the same plate. Yeah, like, exactly. Yep. Kind of interesting. I like that. I like. I like any amount of depth, especially coming out of Foxy Shazam. And so far, we've had all I've had to say about them is that they're unstoppable at doing drugs and they drive cars into walls or something. Yeah, so, yep. <laughs> don't get me wrong; like those are exactly the things I want to do when I listen to Foxy Shazam. Like I sure. want to snort some coke and then go go drive a car really fast. Um, yeah, I, I do like that. Um, the the uh, one of the, the the not the evil thoughts hook, but the other thing that gets repeated is the. Uh, all I know isn't always the truth. All I know yeah. isn't always the case. Like, I, I dig that. That's, that's, that's definitely something that, you know, everybody has to learn at one point or another. And, and it, it's good, like, with the, the sense of this song and how, like, kind of grand scale it is with the operatic singing. It's a, it's a good, good kind of 
cap or addition to the, um, you know, the evil thoughts seek my mind, I feel lost every time idea. Evil force, evil ways, close behind. I need love, I need love, I need love. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I mean, so he's... This is not the first time that we've seen mention of, like, needing love, similar to Loneliness Never Leaves Me Alone, that we saw in in an earlier track. Um, It's a little weird to pair it with the idea of evil thoughts. It's like, I have evil thoughts... Therefore, I need love, or maybe it's I need love to get rid of these evil thoughts. Or yeah, that's that's kind of, kind of I, I I took it as you know that that might be like a cure or a suppressant for the evil thoughts, or at least from them getting to him, because you know he says they they're close behind type of thing. This song is sung very beautifully. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, he's got it. He's got a good voice, and they know how to pass patch pair it up with music. Um, but this one really lets him show it off, which is great. I think he needs love from a teenager. <laughs> okay, okay. The, you know, the one that's late 16, early 17? Uh, <laughs> From yes, the earlier definitely, song? Yeah. De- definitely. So, um, so the next track I have to ask, is there a, a demon that's a teenager who has a baby? Is there a teenager who has a demon baby? Is it a demon baby that has grown up to be a teenager? There's, there's, so, many, there's so many ways to break this down. <laughs> um, it's a teenage demon baby. So, like, in the world, in the underworld, there are different classes of demons. There are, like, demon princes, demon <laughs> demons, some, and then there's demon babies. Okay. Are they, like, <laughs> so, the lower form of demons? Like, they're not uh, sophisticated think, demons yet? I think they're generally just cuter. Oh, the, oh, uh, the cute demons. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think they're called demon babies, and this is a teen, uh, one of, of teen years. It's been around for... Some okay, number. okay. Which so, demons... so they, they still, we can measure their age and <laughs> they well, keep I mean, their track I... of years, so they're teenager? Uh, definitely, but they age, like, somewhat erratically. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 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 like in a day, like in a day, they'll, be, they'll go from zero to five, but then it'll take them 16 years to get to six, is that what you're saying? Like, <laughs> More or less, yeah. Like it's, exactly non, it's like non-uniform. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, I mean, if humans age linearly, which I don't know if we do or not, um, but if we if we set that as the standard, we're going to say humans age linearly. These guys age very nonlinearly, <laughs> like it's a piecewise it, function type of thing. <laughs> definitely piecewise. It, it remind like it's similar to like if you took a heart monitor and like were shaking it around as it was as it was beeping. Like that's <laughs> okay. the actual location in space of the beep. Like that's 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 the function. You okay, so the so this demon rock this rock. this cute demon. Might be a, it is a teenager, so it's it's probably the late sixteen, early seventeen. We'll go with that. Yeah. And our narrator, our singer of the song, is in love with this cute teenage demon. I guess. I guess you know that's that can happen. Love knows no yes. bounds. Love is unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> and this particular love is probably on drugs. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> uh, all jokes aside, in the song, he says, "Teenage demon." Baby, I'm in love with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's definitely saying that this person is a teenage demon, and they are they are baby, and baby, I'm in love. With you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, this song has, I think, some of the most. Um, uh, the lyrics of this have the most imagery, I think, of this whole album. 
Like it's definitely like there's some story being told and, and you know, it's got a de- definite artistic way to it. You know, like that whole the night horse drags the moon into tomorrow's bitter morn. Yeah, and, and that is very poetic. Yeah, and it, and it's like you get you get like the night horse drags the moon. It, so it's like, you know, because the, the moon moving through the sky or the night sky, you know, imagine being like pulled by a carriage of, or like a fleet of horses or one horse, the night horse. And then yeah. it like it drags it into the morning type of thing. It, it's right. very, it's very. I like, I love the imagery of it. So uh, I, I forget who it is, but in Greek mythology, the sun is dragged across the sky by by some god in a chariot oh, of flaming horses or something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I don't know if in Greek mythology, if there's a night horse, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like it's the nightman equivalent of, of the. <laughs> it's like that's Dayman. Fighter of the Dayman. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's night horse, fighter of the day horse, uh, champion of the moon. Dayman! Fighter of the Dayman! Champion of the sun! sun. You're a master of karate and friendship <laughs> for everyone! <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, yeah, so it starts off with smash a couple cocktails. Is that like smashes and like like drink it real fast or smashes and like actually throw these on the ground? I, I took it as drink it real fast because cause I, I guess I got that from and ditch this fancy party. But what, with what you're saying, it could also be the case that they knocked a bunch of Fuck shit on the floor place. and then left the party. <laughs> you would probably want to leave the party after both cases. So <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're going to go hide. They're smashing mm. shit on the ground. they got to hide. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they're just trying to be alone. Whatever. Yep. Uh, inside the graveyard down the street, that's where people go to get away. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love that. I don't know if this is like a real place that they're dealing with. Like this is – they just really have a graveyard that people go to to get away and they're – going to go hang out in this graveyard sure. that's fucked up shit maybe <laughs> um the dead are pounding on the ground tonight or maybe that's the sound of my heart we hopped the gate read the tombstone read the tombstone date said 1965 that's a, that's yeah a fucking, I, I wonder if 1965 has some significance, uh, significance because it doesn't it, it's not used for rhyming at all nothing else in here rhymes with 65 and so I don't know. Maybe that's like when he was born or something, and maybe. and uh, but I guess I guess that that's kind of the same thing. Is that you know, he was born in 1986. So no, he is not. He is not that damn old. He's not 55 years old. I should have realized that. <laughs> I, you know, I was going to say something, but you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I think though the other thing with that is I'm not really sure. Like this song is it talks a lot about like you know the d- night going into the day. And being with this teenage demon, um, baby. baby, and but it's it's kind of like the, the the whole graveyard thing. It just it, it's a very interesting location to choose. Uh, the imagery that you mentioned, yeah, absolutely. Um, like they talk about breaking into the graveyard, like seeing a tombstone, reading the tombstone. Like it's like he's definitely like painting a picture of them actually being in a graveyard. Yeah. And he says later on, you know, he's, we were up till dawn. I couldn't stop yawning. I'll never get that feeling again. It's funny how this old dead piece of land makes us feel so alive. So it definitely feels like he's really there. And they had like a great date at a graveyard. And he's right. like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get this feeling again. Like it was so good. Like this such unique set of circumstances where they drank a bunch of cocktails and then like left a party to go sit in a graveyard and stay up all night. 
and there's no other place I'd rather be. Yeah, that's and yeah. I, it's very. They're right next to you in this graveyard with a baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, yeah. The the imagery is very good, you know, and, and it's a uh, it's it's a very like a unique circumstance where I think you know it's just kind of anytime there's some event like a like a positive event going on in a graveyard, it's always you know. Uh, contradictory and you pick up on it immediately and it always makes yeah. it stand out. So yeah, it's a juxtaposition of, of events to, to locations, locales. Yep. Um, yep. That actually reminds me of, uh, there's a song called sitting on the curb by, I think the band is pepper. Okay. Uh, and it's a, it's about, it's a song about a guy stalking somebody. Mm. So he's like, he's sitting on the curb in her neighborhood. It like, stalking her but but it's delivered like sitting on the curb in your neighborhood oh, it's, it's like, like happy it's just, <laughs> okay yeah, yeah. oh yeah it's so happy <laughs> oh um, yeah i love i love those songs that are you know they're definitely about something very depressing or very you know negative but they're written so happily and oh i love that stuff like there's there's a temper trap song called uh alive and the chorus is it feels so good to be alive and it gets repeated a lot but all the verse is just like Life is boring. Life is repetitive. Like we're wasting our time. And then it goes, feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Oh yeah. And cause I also love when like if, people don't listen to the lyrics a lot or if they're, you know, they're listening to songs, not really getting into it, like understanding the lyrics, you know, they're always like, yeah, this is a great pump up feel good song. And it like tricks them. And it's always like, ha ha, gotcha. <laughs> uh, are you familiar with the song lips of an angel? I think so. So there was a, like when that first song first came out, there was a lot of people who like played it or like requested it over the radio is like, Oh, to play sure. to their girlfriend or whatever. And it's like, that song is about cheating on your girlfriend. Oh yeah, I, I had to look it up. Hinder. I haven't heard of Hinder yeah, in forever. Yeah, Hinder, yeah. <laughs> it's really good to hear your voice say my name. It sounds so sweet. Coming from the lips of an angel. Hearing those words, it makes me weak. Let never wanna say Yeah, yeah that uh, was that was a lot. I heard that a lot when it came other, out back uh, in the day. The other Nickelback or Hoobastank or you know whatever. <laughs> they're all the same band. <laughs> they're, they're all they all just change their name to, to fake competition. Like it's yeah. it's a it's a capitalistic scam. <laughs> it's like actually there are other people that make this kind of music and it's not all bad. Um, check it out. There we're competing. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, yep. That being said, I mean, somewhat facetiously, I actually like Nickelback. Just I'm throwing that out there. Okay, for I don't listen to a lot of Nickelback. For all, but... for, well, I, I should I should say, if I'm being completely honest, I haven't listened to Nickelback in over a decade. But <laughs> okay. when I did, I liked Nickelback. Sure, uh, sure. So, oh my god, I can say that I haven't done something in ten years. Is that a good it's just thing? Hit me out. It's just hit me how old I am. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. I thought you're. I thought you're about to get excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> I got an I anniversary. Love <laughs> I, love, I love not doing things. 
Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, so teenage demon baby, whatever whatever kind of circumstance you find those words and or interpret those words as, it's a it's a good it, it's good writing for sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah, and I wish I wish we had at least I'd have to do some further digging, but the credits that I've seen is that they always put written by just Foxy Shazam. I would love to know which people of the band and the production had you know specific input on specific songs and things like that. Oh yeah, I'm not seeing any anything. And normally, yeah, you will get like the actual the the writer. Yeah, so maybe, yeah. Maybe they collaboratively wrote songs. Yeah, that's that's what I, I think. That what if it's just the band name? I think that's just what it implies is that it was collaborative to some extent, or to a, to a great extent. Right. Um, All right, and then well, once you once you have that date with the teenage demon baby. It's going to lead to some kind of love, right? Some some kind. <laughs> Maybe not the best kind. Maybe the pedophile kind, depending Ooh. on how much of a baby it is. Yes. How how <laughs> how teenage is this baby? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, that will that's, not hold up in a court of law. <laughs> that, that's uh that's what we need to have in like the like description of this episode. How teenage? Oh, that one of the questions. Find out how, how teenage is that baby? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So everybody has a love story. I have a few for you. It won't take long. Here they are. So you're going to tell us some stories. Is that what happens? I hope so. I like stories. <laughs> Power outage on a Saturday night. Game of tag with two flashlights. Then I smell her inching closer. Tell that bitch to take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the the line after, as our bodies heat up, heat up a roller coaster. Yeah. So it's not even it's not even heat up like a roller coaster. It's there it's, is a roller coaster and they're heating it up. Apparently, so that's what we're being told. Yeah. I I guess like I I I guess you could make some argument that the interpretation or using the phrase heat up might be like a slang term for you know getting something started. You know, like heat up an oven or you know maybe like. Or you know, if you if you start your car and let it run, you're heating it up type of thing before you're you're gonna drive it or anything like that. I I've never really heard that ex- heard that except in the oven context. Mm-hmm. But but I guess that's I guess the only way I can think of this line is that their bodies their their you know the passion is so strong between them that the heat they're creating is enough to like power a roller coaster. Uh, I I interpret it more as like an um, like. How am I trying to say this? I don't want to say it's like an emotional roller coaster. It's not like ups and downs, but it, it's intense like a roller coaster. Mm, like that's the – their bodies heating up is like the ride that they're about to go on, and that is the roller coaster. Okay, yes. okay. I like yeah. that. I like that's that. That's the way that I've interpreted that. Yeah, I also don't know how much energy it takes to run a roller coaster. I would imagine a lot of that is momentum, so you wouldn't need like constant energy, you know? <laughs> I mean it's it's the same energy back and forth, like kinetic potential. Sure. Sure. <laughs> Oh, I like that with the with the relationship vibe, the back and forth Ooh, of the yeah. roller coaster. Look at that. It's it's advancing retreat right there. Yes, yep. The sovereign advance and retreat. Next thing you know, we were tangled in laughter. She was laughing at his penis. Uh, two teenagers' hearts couldn't beat any faster. What is the obsession with teenagers? Yeah, that. Uh, so so just uh, we just found that he was born in 1986. This album came out, or really, they started in 2005. Of course, this was 2004, um, but their first so he was, album... He was like 30. So, 86 to 2005, well, uh, in 2010, it would have been, what, closer to 24? Oh, oh, so, oh, so yeah, I, yeah. So, I think, I, I think he's getting, like, he's getting out of those teenage years, and maybe there okay. was something that stuck with him so hard that that's where his, his motivation was. Right, okay, yeah. 
Now, if he was born in 1965 singing about teenagers, we would definitely be like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a little embarrassed that I did math that for uh, I'm singing like 80 to 2000. That's 20 years. And, and 85, that's five more years. I went retarded for a second. We're, we're in the metric where we add everything together. Everything gets added. <laughs> If you have four cookies and you eat two, you now have six cookies. Six cookies, absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah, so teenagers, he's, uh, we were lost in the light, baby, losing our minds. Is that drugs again? Is that no? I, that's that's probably just the emotions, right? Yeah, I, the, I kind of thought of that as like the emotion is the drug in this case. Yeah, that's just this is just a good old teenage romp in the hay yeah yeah and like all the all the lyrics get it exactly that you know <laughs> oh we got some more light in the next verse he feels so perfect in this type of light summer storm kept us up all night is light and a storm Ooh, okay okay lights the emotions definitely got to be then right yeah yeah light and, uh however the maybe it's all the candles that they have for this romantic evening oh so oh, it, oh of course earlier it said they had there was a power outage and oh, so, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so, whatever limited light okay. they have, you know, it's, okay, yeah, it's, yeah, it's good. It fits the mood. So, I, I believe at the beginning of this song, I was under the impression that he was going to tell us multiple stories, but I now I'm getting the distinct impression that this is one story. Yes, uh, it is. Uh, maybe he's looking at it in the sense of that if you tell a story and you take any little chunk of that story out of it, it is still a story to some extent. Okay. <laughs> So like every story is built up of like atomic stories. <laughs> okay, so these are story atoms. Yes, yes. Okay. And he's putting them all together, telling us all of them to make the making love story. story. Yeah. Making story chemicals, which sure. people often re- refer to love feelings as chemistry. So. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's some kind of love. It's some kind it's of some chemistry. Kind of, some kind of chemical <laughs> love. Oh, yeah. Some kind of nature. Some kind of soul, some kind of mixture, some kind of gold. All right. Foxy Shazam, their self-titled album. I think we said now, the, I know Ben said earlier, and definitely the one I am the most familiar with. Um, have, you, have you branched out to listen to any of their other albums as much as you've gotten to know this one? Not nearly as much. I okay. think I have listened, listened to Church of Rock and Roll, um, just because, like I said, that was the album that my girlfriend had. Sure. So I have listened to that one. Um but no, not nearly to the same degree that okay. I listened to this. Yeah, one. I'd be interested to see where they go if they ever truly do come back and get to play a concert. Um, it would be amazing to see if they play new music at that concert, and if they released a new album, you know, after the like the six year hiatus, it would be definitely interesting to check out to see like what they've been doing in their off time is, has in- influenced them and where they're going to go. But Absolutely. like we said, they might just they might just never be able to get together again because of. You know, I think the six feet is going to become 12 feet, is going to become a mile. Uh, we're going to start Qu- like, you know. Quarantine Shazam? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Foxy Quarantines? Yep, exactly. Um, so I think with that album being finished up, um, I didn't really have anything. I didn't want to get, uh, at least I wasn't planning on getting into any of those bonus tracks. Um, no, I'm not. Yeah, because like we said before, they're so stylistically different. That was, I think, the big point to make. But, you know, yeah. they're, they're out there. They're three. Um, so we mentioned it's the it's you and me, it's uh, dog in love with kitty, and then yesterday, today, and tomorrow. If they're on YouTube, that's where I was able to find them. Um, if you are a completionist with your music, like Rob is, uh, definitely go find those. But yeah, it's one of those things where you know I could definitely take them or leave them um, when listening to this album. Like if they're on there, I'll give them a listen, just because you know 
they're they're not they're not bad to any extent. Um, mm-hmm. But you know the the album kind of works as it does on Spotify, right? Which is I, I'm sure why they released it that way. Yep. And so I definitely picked this album because of how much fun it is to listen to. Sure. It's not as deep lyrically as as a lot of the other stuff that we've that we've yes, addressed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> uh, it was a, it was a little hard to to go through all the lyrics of this album and and try to pull meaning out of them. But you know we can't be stopped. So. Yep, yep. We're unstoppable, just like Foxy Shazam is unstoppable, just like Julian is unstoppable, just like accidental just... racism is unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was a fun little discovery. Yeah, yeah, that came uh, out of nowhere, yeah. <laughs> it's the biggest black ass I've ever seen, something like that. Yep. And I like it. Yeah, and I like it. <laughs> and liking it is racist. Accidentally. Yes. Just just accidentally. <laughs> well, I don't I don't think liking things is a choice. If I if I remember correctly about homosexuality, it's not a choice. And that's all about things you like. So I don't think the things you like are a choice and therefore it can't be intentional, it has to be accidental. Mm, okay, okay. And he likes that big black ass. See, I think I think everything is a choice. Like literally everything. <laughs> like you think how much money you have in your bank that's a choice. <laughs> Absolutely. How tall okay. you are. Your hair color, whether or not you have eyebrows, it's all a choice. <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> whether, whether or not the plane you're on crashes, total choice. <laughs> oh, geez. Yes, so, so okay. I think with that being said, we have another uh, song, Screed Commodities, out of the way. The next time Ooh. Ben comes back, we will have something else to talk about. Um, and now, now Rob's got to think of stuff. Who knows? We'll see yeah, if good, yeah. We'll, we'll have to when we come back. We'll have to see how uh, how the plague is going. If we're all still alive, that type of thing. Um, and then maybe maybe there'll be something that uh, can be discussed that uh, we'll we'll get at some uh, more recent stuff. I think that's because you know we've done well, we did the rap, which was recent. Well, at least the Eminem songs were recent, and then we threw it back to uh, old albums with uh, Harvey Danger and Sean Nelson, and then this one. So maybe we'll yeah. maybe we'll keep up with the times, keep ourselves fresh, see what we got coming out, if anything's coming out. Um, oh, I do know. I think yesterday, at the time of recording this, Ben, uh, there's a new AWOL Nation album. I haven't listened to it yet, but there's a new one. I think there's a new Watsky album. Yes, there is that, which I still have to oh, listen yeah. to some more times. Um, there's a new Group Love that came out that's pretty good. I, I will say the new Watsky album hasn't brought me back to it mm, yet, like, just okay. by pure wanting to listen to it. So I'll have to, I'll have to intentionally listen to it. Again, to give it a, a yeah. feel, but I, it didn't catch me the way that, what was the last one, Complaint? Yes. Yeah, and this one's Placement, yeah. Yeah, it didn't catch me the way Complaint did. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah Complaint was awesome. <laughs> it's a work of art. So, I yeah, we'll have, to, we'll have to see um, what comes out the next time we get a song, Screed Commodities going. With that Definitely. being said, any final thoughts or anything you want to plug to our audience, Ben? Um, you want to make them, uh, you want to start getting art commissions for, for pornography? Definitely, <laughs> Def- definitely gonna start drawing some porn. Um, yeah, I don't think I really have anything else to say other than uh, I hope that things go well at the restaurant and that you good, good. figure out how to uh, how how to clean things <laughs> now that the car washes are closed. Now the restaurant's been open for a little under two years, and I like okay. that we're just getting to how do we clean things. <laughs> <laughs> usually, important. usually something that is that is uh, figured out before the restaurant opens. But you know, better late than never. That's the saying, right? 
uh, yeah, that is what some people say about stuff. <laughs> about, about cleaning, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of uh, of that Jane Silent Bob movie. I think Clerks Two. The okay. guys like, where do we keep the clean? Or where, where's the the mop and bucket? And they're like, it's in the closet with all the other cleaning supplies. <laughs> we, have, we have cleaning supplies. Oh that's, yeah, that's. I feel like that's. Uh, I mean, I I think I've been to the restroom. I think I've said that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm g- glad to know now that everything I experienced was disgustingly filthy. Perfect. Perfect. So, uh, as we've done in previous weeks and, and always in our episodes, we always end things by playing something in reverse. And since you picked this one, Ben, is there a song on here you think would be cool to hear in reverse? I, I gotta say, I mean, count me out. Okay, okay, count me out. Sounds good. And maybe just because uh, it holds a special place in my heart, at the end of Count Me Out in Reverse, I'll throw in some of those dog barks in reverse. <laughs> okay. Oh. With, oh, yep, yep. Yeah, definitely. Dog barks in reverse, count me out in reverse, in whatever order you want. It doesn't Perfect. have to be. Perfect. Yeah. All right, with that being said, cool. Ben, thanks for coming once again. Thanks for picking this album, which I probably wouldn't have listened to. It would have just sat on my, my hard drive uh, as it has been, but it was good fun faux show. Thanks for having me. All right, until next time, everybody get as close to other people as possible. <laughs> Hug each other. Yeah. Tongues out. Disconnect them guts. <laughs> <laughs> no, get rid get rid of the disconnect. Yeah, get guts. rid of that disconnect to them guts. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah uh. connect the guts is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Bye.